is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, what's going on, WSTers? Huss here with you uh, for another week, another month of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, officially into the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And um, well, it was quite an interesting weekend down at Canada Life Center. Of course, there was some action on the ice, which we'll get to with the Manitoba Moose in the playoffs. But we did hear the end of the year media availabilities from a number of members of the Winnipeg Jets. Head coach Rick Bonus, and then on Sunday, general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff. And I don't think I am exaggerating when I say these were as um, highly anticipated media briefings as we've had in a long, long time. I mean, last year at the end of the season, kind of game by game as the team missed the playoffs, we heard a lot from a number of players. And you know, the final day was noteworthy mainly for what Mark Shifley said and what he didn't say. Um, but this weekend was was weird in uh, in a number of ways. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of anticipation to, uh, you know, going into what everyone believes is such a crucial offseason and one that could, could potentially and likely will involve a lot of change with the team and the organization. You wouldn't really have known that from being there and listening to everything that we got from, well, maybe more so the players, certainly more than the head coach and the general manager. I mean, as far as newsworthy things coming out of it, I mean, the one thing that we heard from Kevin Sheveldayoff was that Rick Bonus is the head coach going forward. And uh, I think, you know, basically leaked to Elliot Friedman on Saturday night in advance of Kevin Sheveldayoff speaking that no changes are expected to the uh, management situation for Kevin she- for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So essentially that means Chevy's the guy and he will be going forward. But um, uh, listen, it left a lot. It, it maybe created more questions than it did answers from uh, everything that happened, especially from the GM, not so much the head coach. Um, and then we'll get into the players. So uh, I know I can see in the chat already, there is plenty of, Comments going back and forth from everyone. Please keep on uh, firing up your uh, your takes in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat if you're with us on YouTube. And if you are listening on the podcast and do want to uh, give us your say um, as we get into tomorrow's show, you can always fire us a tweet on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG and make sure that you're uh, following us over there as well as on all the other social channels at Sports Talk WPG. Um, so this is the way today's show is going to work, a little bit different than normal. Um, you know, often we'll have at least a couple guests. There is so much audio from the weekend that we want to play. I'm certainly not all of it. We're going to do that over the course of the next hour or so. Listen to Blake Wheeler, Connor Hellebuck in particular, and some of the other players. Then we'll hear Rick Bonus, and then we'll play some of Kevin Sheveldayoff's comments before we bring in Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press to uh, get his reaction to what we've heard and what this really means for this team going forward. I certainly have my own opinions. We'll get to those as well. Um, But I do want to get Remus in here, who has been doing a uh, yeoman's job for the last two days, going through and cutting up all of this audio. To give us an idea, we normally would maybe have nine or ten clips. 
Um, we've got well over 100 right now. We won't be able to get through all of them, but we'll try to play some of the most important ones if you missed it and the key ones to discuss here on the program before we bring in um, Jeff Hamilton. Listen, just before we get Remo in here, obviously we can't do it without the sponsors each and every day. We want to thank them, especially... Baseball season is back. Winnipeg Goldeyes back on board with us. And Assiniboia Downs, who also open up their live racing season a little bit later in May. Uh, our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, and of course our friends over at Breezy Bend and coolbet.com tomorrow big lock shop second round begins tomorrow night and uh, dusty and i'll hit all those four series tomorrow on the lock shop at noon make sure you're following me on twitter or uh, at lock shop bets for the latest from uh, from the lock shop all right let's get remus in here because there was a lot of things that happened on the ice uh well and in the world of sports on the weekend that we do want to touch on before we get to the winnipeg jets but this show will be dominated by reaction and fallout to the weekend that ended officially the Winnipeg Jets season. Remo, what's going on? Are you uh, are you going crazy from listening to all this audio yet? Yeah, I mean, I I did listen to all of the uh, Kevin Shovel Day off forty minutes and grabbed relevant clips from there, and um, it, I mean, it was pretty entertaining. You know, being at the arena on Saturday, you and I went down and um, saw firsthand a lot different being there than watching. On the video, it was a bit of a, I don't know, did did have a kind of like end of the road feeling uh, for a couple guys, and we are anticipating big changes. But um, you know, it was the end of the season media availability, so I don't know if it was as much like fireworks as last season, where you know Mark Scheifele uh, made some big proclamations, wants to see where this is going, and the Paul Stasny thing was. I think people had kind of learned their lesson. You know, no one was really taking a stand on any topic at all, including disclosing their own injuries. No one wanted to reveal. Well, so They took a stand on one topic. Oh, you're and right. that's what Sorry. Rick Bonus had to say after the game. And if anybody thought that the players were going to show up and sort of own it and say, well, you know what? I understand that he was pissed off, but, you know, that was really on us for playing such a, a you know, a poor game with our season on the line. I understand why you felt that way. Uh, there was absolutely none of that. I mean, for an organization and a group that had been talking about increased accountability. Uh, I can't say there was very much of that. And and ironically, Reem, the biggest pushback that we heard from the Winnipeg Jets or have seen from the Winnipeg Jets over the last week was to what their head coach had to say. Uh, it certainly had nothing to do with what happened on the ice as their uh, season was hanging in the balance in Game 5. Yeah, pushback was really the word of the weekend. It was Rick Bonus using the word pushback to describe his team's lack of it uh, in Game 5 against Vegas. And then it was the pushback the Jets players had against those comments. But then we also saw pushback on the ice from the Florida Panthers, who were down 3-1 to the President's Trophy Boston Bruins. Everyone counted them out. They certainly pushed back their way to Game 7 overtime win. And the Seattle Kraken, who were able to push back against the defending cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, Seattle without their top scorer, who was the victim of a, of a dirty hit from Kale McCarr, and also without Andre Burakovsky, one of their top free agent signings. So there's definitely a lot of pushback. I think that was it might be the more common word here. You know, we've had malaise. We've had, I forget what other stuff that oh, we've... Malaise is so 2018. Yeah. This is... Uh, yeah. Pushback, pushback is the 2020, 2023 buzzword 
on uh, on WST. And as I said, like I'll be honest, I was I was borderline stunned um, from on Saturday when the players were speaking. And again, we'll play some of these quotes, but I mean, I mean, Blake Wheeler coming out and saying uh, he didn't appreciate or like the way Rick Bonus handled that. Um, I mean, the one thing that was absolutely lacking in pretty much everyone that spoke when asked about it um, was any acknowledgement of why it was said. And and again, this has been Bones' first year, and it was sort of, you know, they, listen, Bones came out afterwards, and again, we'll play this, um, and, you know, he didn't really walk it back. I mean, he did say, and I think this was a reaction to what we heard from the players, that, you know, maybe he didn't, you know, he regretted his choice of words, saying that he was disgusted, but he stood by what he said, and he should have. Um I mean, my big takeaway out of this, Remo, and if this wasn't the case already, it certainly is right now with, I think, the majority of Jet fans. And correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, but Bones is the people's champ. I mean, he's the one guy that has been giving us the straight goods. Um, and he did again for the most part on the weekend, although trying to do it maybe in a little bit of a softer and gentler tone considering what we've heard from the from the players. But... Um, I, I appreciate more what Bonus had to say because when you look around, everybody else in that room, um, there there really didn't seem to be a lot of uh, frank truths being said about what did and what didn't happen with this hockey club this year. And then as far as when we get to Kevin Sheveldayoff, I, I said last week the one thing that Chevy can't do is stand up and drop a extended word salad on all of us. And I hate to say it, that is pretty much what happened. I mean, I understand that he's not going to roll out and show up at the end of the season meeting and say, well, great to see you all. We're trading this guy. This guy's done. We're probably moving on with him. I mean, that's not the way any NHL general manager, um, you know, handles things. But there wasn't even an acknowledgement that this was, um, that it was this incredibly crucial offseason for this club, that there were going to be changes. I mean, I certainly believe that there will be, but I think it was a missed opportunity to connect with the fan base and giving the fans at least a bit of a bone that they're working on some things, things are going to be different, um, because they, they have to be. Like, I don't see what the downside in saying that would have been. Um, but listen, kept the cards very, very close to the chest. We'll play some of that a little bit later on but I'm not sure it helped them, at least in the court of public opinion, with um, you know, with what was said and, and frankly what wasn't said right now. Because I mean, I am still of the opinion that, you know, even if they don't want to do this, they're being they're gonna be forced into this based on the contract situations of uh, you know of a number of key players. Um, even if they don't, as I do, believe that some significant changes need to be made to the core of this hockey club to avoid, um, you know, seasons like we just had, where you see what the team is capable of, you see them completely get away from it for a long time, and then at the most important time of the season when everything is on the line, um, completely shutting it down the way uh, the team did. Maybe that's unfair, but, I mean, basically their poorest game in the most important moment. And, um, and as I said, coming out of the game, this is not the first time that's happened. Um, completely wilted in game four against Montreal. And um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, coming out of game five, um, it had a real St. Louis game six, 2019 feel about it. Uh, we're moving on to it. So there's a whole lot to get to uh, today on the program. But Reem, before we get to all the clips, um, 
you mentioned those two NHL games last night, and man, what a shocking upset. I'll tell you one thing. It was a great day for former Jet head coaches because Paul Maurice is now on to the second round completing a stunning comeback upset of a historically good Boston Bruins team. And I got to tell you, I think there's a lot of people around here feeling pretty darn good for Dave Lowry considering what he was put through last year uh, as he, Dave Haxtell, and the Seattle Kraken upset in Game 7 on the road, the Colorado Avalanche. Um, to get back to pushback, we saw a lot of it from both of those teams and what incredible upsets they were. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. The Florida one, I wasn't – I took Florida in seven on my on my bracket, so I was was what giving myself the, the Barry Horowitz there. But the one team I said before the playoffs has zero chance of advancing was the Seattle Kraken. And I was like, there is no way they're getting past the defending Stanley Cup champion uh, Avalanche. Um, you know, they don't have what? They don't have the top players. Then they lost um, Jared McCann. It just didn't seem to go well. And credit to them. They pulled it out in seven. And one thing I don't want to hear anymore about the Jets home playoff record because it seems like around the NHL hustler, every team at home, like Colorado losing at home game seven, Boston losing game seven overtime at home, the Lightning eliminated at home. By the Maple Leafs? Like, enough. There's I no think road teams are 14 games up on uh, home teams they so had the, far in the playoffs. They had the overtime stats, home road, they said in the bright. I think it was like 11 and 3 now since that, uh, since Florida and road teams winning on in overtime. So, enough about a uh, home road because, I mean, oh, the Kings also eliminated at home. I mean, I, I think we've just seen this playoffs that it doesn't matter if you're home or road. Anyone. Anyone can win, and maybe it isn't as much of an advantage as it has been in the past. Yeah, a lot of pushback from those road teams, a lot of pushback from the teams that ended up winning. And, and hey, I mean, again, we're having a little bit of fun. Maybe we'll make some pushback T-shirts for WST heading into next season. Hell, maybe that'll be the uh, the, That's the a... motto of the 23-24 <laughs> Winnipeg Jets year. It's time to push back. Um, you can give them some ideas for that. But, um it, it was a, an incredible first round, and obviously around here, very disappointing that the Jets were the first ones to bow out. Um, exponentially worse for the way that they bowed out in that fifth game, especially considering the way that things started. But overall, for the NHL, it was um, it was an incredible weekend. It was an incredible first round. The Leafs are moving on. The Oilers, the Leafs and Oilers right now are the favorites to meet in the Stanley Cup final. And as much as that would probably trigger a lot of people around here, it probably would be, oh, it'd be awesome for hockey in Canada as much as it would drive me personally nuts. Um, and I don't even think it would be bad in the States because I think what we would see is some of the best young players in the league. Um, you know, if you've got Connor McDavid, that's a big win. I mean, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, but particularly Matthews, would be big. There's still a lot of work to go, and it probably doesn't go down that way just because of what we've seen so far. Um, but I'll tell you what, the execs at TSN and Sportsnet are probably over the moon right now knowing that those two teams are playing. And uh, listen, the uh, Avs are out. We'll have a new Stanley Cup champion, the best team all year, and the best team in a long time, the Boston Bruins, out right now. Um, but we do have one game seven to find out who is going to win, who, who will be playing the Carolina Hurricanes. That of course, we'll go tonight in Newark, New Jersey, between the Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. And uh, then round two is going to get ready tomorrow. As I mentioned just at the beginning, we'll have a big round two preview tomorrow 
in the lock shop. But Reem, before we get to the Winnipeg Jets, let's hit the local teams that are in the playoffs right now. And first up, what a weekend for the Winnipeg Ice. Um, two big convincing wins over the Saskatoon Blades out at the Ice Cave uh, on Friday and Saturday. They are now in Saskatoon preparing for games three and four tomorrow night and Wednesday. Um, and then presuming Saskatoon can get a win and get the series back to Winnipeg, you know, we will have another game at the Ice Cave uh, coming up on the weekend for the ice, but um, heck of a way to start things off. And, you know, it wasn't that easy for them against a Moose Jaw team that's given them a hard time throughout the year. Um, but, man, they seem to be ready to go for the Saskatoon Blades, who, of course, coming, uh, you know, it back-to-back comeback wins in seven games. Um, maybe they didn't have a lot left for uh, the powerhouse ice. Uh, nevertheless, for people following the ice here in Winnipeg, a hell of a good start to uh, round number three to get them within two wins of the WHL Championship Series. Yeah, pretty incredible. Uh, the ice, I know they had that disappointing year last year, really come back. They've learned from... Um, you know, last year's failures and moved on and have a shot here now advancing the WHL championship, two more wins and possibly even a Memorial Cup. So uh, we're definitely keeping an eye here on what's going on with the Winnipeg Ice. Now, as far as the Manitoba Moose went, uh, they had two home playoff games on Friday and Sunday. Uh, I was at the Friday game and I mean, this one in some ways was sort of over before it started. I was talking about how strange it was that the Manitoba, that the Winnipeg Jets brought both of the Moose goalies out to Vegas uh, and were flying back on Friday, the same day that they were playing game number one. Well, they gave the start to Evan Cormier. It did not go well for Cormier. He led in three early goals and got the hook. And Arvid Holm, who was on a plane probably about four or five hours earlier, earlier in the day, uh, was put into the net. Um, it ended up 6-2. Milwaukee was definitely the better team in that game. Uh, and listen, Milwaukee, it was, it was crazy watching the game in the arena, remembering the games against the Nashville Predators at the end of the year between the Jets and the Preds. Like, half of the Preds team is back on the Admirals. Uh, you know, that um, Evangelista, um, who was... I mean, very prominent, playing a big role for Nashville. He's back there right now. Di Giuseppe, I mean, could go down the list. Um, but this is a real, real strong Milwaukee team with all the players that they got back. So, I mean, going into yesterday, you know, this team, it wasn't technically a must win, but it really was. In a best of five series where games three, four, and five are all on the road, you couldn't lose your first two at home. And it looked that way. Evangelista put them up late in the third period to 2-1. But it was Cole Meyer who tied the game with less than a minute left. And then a guy that has been kicking ass at the AHL level ever since he got sent down, Jansen Harkins, once again being the difference maker. Hark with the OT winner. And the Manitoba Moose salvage a split and now know what they have to do hitting, uh, hitting the road this week. And that's when two of three in Milwaukee on the road against a good team. But 1-1's uh, one, a hell of a lot better than being down 0-2. Oh, yeah. And what a call you tweeted out. Daniel Fink, was he uh, fired up or what in the booth? Oh. Um, uh, pretty pretty incredible. I think he's got to check on his voice here for the next one. But I agree. It wasn't technically a must win. I think people are getting honest of our overuse of the term must win, but I mean, when you play, it was three, a can't lose. Yeah, it was definitely can't lose, and you don't want to go down O uh, two to three straight on the road. So shout out to the Moose, and um, you know helps when you have your goalie situation sorted out, as you said, Arvid Holm or sorry, Oscar Salmonen getting the start there, stopping thirty 
of 32. And you, I mean, you look at the lineup here, uh, you know, Jansen Harkins scoring Declan Chisholm to assist Toninato on the board as well. So some of their top guys uh, contributing in big spots. Yeah. I mean, they're up against it against a team that's got a lot of help from their parent club, but um, I mean, a gutsy, gutsy win by the Moose. And that's something that I think they've, um, that has earmarked their play throughout the year. So um, nice to see them get that win and uh, fingers crossed. They'll be able to keep that ice plant going to Candle Life Center for a little while longer um, to see if the Moose can get past Milwaukee and uh, continue on with their season. One other bit of news just before we get to the Jets audio from the weekend. Um, And it certainly is in stark contrast to what's happening here in Winnipeg. Um, but one year removed from a Jack Adams award as the coach of the year after a disappointing season for the Calgary Flames. First, it was general manager Brad Treleving, who is moving on. And now today, Reem, it is official. Daryl Sutter, no longer head coach of the Calgary Flames. And, you know, there's a lot of talk. And one of the things that Chevy mentioned, um, you know, last year, the player meetings took all day. Um, this year, they were quite quick. I mean, they kept on talking about how great the room is and, uh, you know, how pleased guys are to be playing with each other or whatever. Um, it certainly gave the impetus or the impression, I should say, that everyone in that room is on the same page. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case in Calgary because um, it's been reported that they were were lengthy, lengthy meetings with the players. And it sounds like maybe some of the agents got involved as well and said, Frankly, they're not interested in playing for Daryl Sutter anymore. And um, you know what they say, uh, it's easier to change one coach than 20 players. And uh, that is what's happening now in Calgary. So Maloney's in as the new GM, and there will be a new coach in Calgary after um, such a wild offseason player-wise last year. This year, it's on the other side in management and their head coach with the Flames. Yeah, you know, when they hired him, I was questioning, oh, is this the guy you want to bring in? And then they had that awesome season last year. Like, oh, Daryl Sutter, he's the man. He's the best coach. And then he had an extension that was set to kick in July 1. But it was pretty clear this year that it wasn't working out with the new players they brought in. Jonathan Huberto, um, the biggest drop-off in point totals in NHL history, over 100 points. Was he have 100, like 10, uh, you know, two years ago in this past year? He had 55, I think it was. I mean, pretty crazy drop-off. He had, uh, what, Nazem Kadri had said, you know, they weren't really getting along. And when the two guys who you signed to long-term deals aren't getting along with your coach, um, might be time to make a change. And um, too unfortunate for Daryl Sutter, but I, I do think this will help them uh, move forward. You know, it's hard to see. Like, if Calgary, what do they have, 14 overtime losses, and they missed the playoffs by, what, two, three points? Yeah. So amazing if, you know... Maybe they would have made it. Maybe they don't make the change. But I think there was just, it was pretty clear there were, they were not getting along there behind the scenes in Calgary. Even if they made the playoffs, like, I don't know if this doesn't happen anyways. The final straw was throwing Nick Ritchie out for that shootout with their season hanging in the balance <laughs> right now for Daryl Sutter. But don't feel too bad about Sutter. He's got to cut a couple rings. And I believe 4.2 times 2, I believe he's got 8.4 million reasons to. Uh, you know, uh, not be having any bake sales for uh, him going forward. He'll just get back to the farm, keep on working, and I'm sure spend some time talking to his accountant about all the money coming uh, coming his way. All right, we're going to get to uh, the Winnipeg Jets and everything that we heard from the club over the weekend. But as I mentioned, 
Gold Eye season is here, everyone. Uh, May means the boys of summer are back. And I have to tell you, I was out at those Blue Jay games in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that I was thinking with the beautiful weather and the dome open was just how excited I am to get back to the ballpark. And um, camp is starting this week on the 3rd. Team's going to work out on the 3rd and 4th and then hit the road for preseason games and the opening of the season, May 11th in Gary, of course, where Greg Taggart was the uh, longtime manager. Um, There's four Canadians on the roster. Max Murphy, the 2022 Player of the Year, is back. Home opener is on May 19th versus Lake County as the Fish open up their 30th season here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, For more information on Gold Eye season tickets, group outings, 10-game mini-packs, get on over to the team's official website at goldeyes.com and definitely make a plan to be there for the home opener on May 19th. Um, Our friends at Modern Man Barbershops now have eight Winnipeg locations, but we got a big event happening on Sunday. The Modern Man Pembina is hosting a grand opening event on Sunday, May 7th from 12 to 5 p.m. Receive a haircut for $9 with proceeds to Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation. Plus, the first 100 people get free lunch from the Jeepney food truck. Visit their Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for more. And if you need to hit a modern man, there's eight locations in Winnipeg. You can uh, book your look and make your reservation online at modernmanbarber.com. And again, more information on the grand opening at Modern Man Barbershops on Instagram. Um, speaking of baseball, summer, uh, how about outdoors? How about you know making the most of this summer? And um, Aquatech is here to help make you can make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And while you're thinking about improvements to the property, whole home renovation stock will start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And hey, May's here. We can... Feel the spring and summer coming. Jets are done, but uh, our friends at Manitoba Battery are uh, ready for the offseason as well with their celebrations of their 10th birthday with more and more sales getting ready for summer. And right now they're blowing out golf cart batteries. For those of you who enjoy our beautiful Manitoba courses or uh, rip around and tour from friend to friend at your summer getaway. Six-volt golf cart batteries are $167 right now. Eight-volt golf cart batteries, $177. And those prices include free delivery anywhere within the city limits. And when you return your cores to Manitoba Battery, you'll receive another $17.50 off what's already the lowest price in Manitoba for golf cart batteries. Get them now so you can be ready for May long weekend and summer fun. Sale is on now until May 6th. Pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And for more information, go to manitobabattery.com. And uh, of course, hey, big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. Bomber season, just a couple weeks away for training camp as well. And it won't be long before we're enjoying that great CC and ginger at IG Field, of course, Canadian Club, proud sponsor and official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can pick up Canadian Club 
and CC and Ginger at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and look for Canadian Club and Ginger in 473 milliliter cans at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right. Remo, let's start this off. And I guess we'll we'll explain to folks that we began the um the weekend 9 a.m. on on Saturday morning with uh, a number of players. And uh, first up, it was Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck, who, for my money, were probably the most interesting ones. Uh, whether you liked or didn't like what they were actually saying, there was something to be said. Um, and, and we may as well start right at the top with this one. Here's what uh, Blake Wheeler, longtime Jet, former captain, had to say uh, about what his opinion of this season overall. Uh, that was humbling for sure. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of changes and circumstances and, um, so yeah, there was a lot of, uh, uh, growth in areas and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot I'm proud of, uh, obviously, you know, missing the playoffs last year and then, uh, making it this year. I think that was a step in the right direction, but, um, yeah, obviously disappointing that we didn't, uh, you know, get to where we wanted to go. All right, so there's Blake Wheeler. Now, um, you knew uh, it wasn't going to take very long for Bones' post-game comments to be brought up, and Blake Wheeler was really the first member of the Winnipeg Jets that addressed them. Here is uh, what uh, Wheels thought about Bones' post-game comments after Game 5. I thought that Rick had an opportunity to address us as a team. And, uh, you know, because now, now we have to answer that question, right? And I, I think, you know, he could have been honest with us. We could have had those discussions behind closed doors. Um, so I didn't, I didn't agree with how he handled himself after that game. Um, I know that our performance in game five wasn't up to a standard that we would have liked it to have been. And, you know, there's disappointment in that. Um, I know how my teammates and I uh, prepare for every game. Um, you know, this is the most important thing in a lot of, you know, our lives. Uh, not my life, but a lot of my teammates don't have kids, you know, so this is the most important thing in their life. And, uh you know, the preparation and what, what we do in between games is um, nothing short of, you know, being all in on trying to win that game. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't show up in a, a manner that we'd have, we would have liked to. Um, so there's, like I said before, uh, there is room for disappointment in that. But um, I, I didn't like I didn't like how we handled uh, after that game. Yeah, so there you go. Um, and, and listen, I'll give Blake credit for coming out and saying it. Um, maybe some other guys kind of couched it. But uh, listen, I'm looking at the chat right now. And I mean, there's a lot of boo-hoos and uh, basically the exact reaction that I was sort of thinking. I'm like, serious? This is about the way Rick handled himself after the game? Um you know, one of the things, and Shevel Dayoff spoke about this, Remo, um, you know, after, well, I guess on Sunday, you know, and they sort of chalked this up to uh, Rick being a really emotional guy um, and telling you exactly how he feels. 
that's exactly what this team and this group, I think, has needed a lot more of, to be honest with you. And unfortunately, I think we saw in the second half of the season that there's a lot of guys on this Winnipeg Jet team that can't hack it, that can't handle that sort of blunt honesty. And I think it affected players in the second half of the season. It certainly affected the overall team's performance that when this team really got challenged by whether it be opponents or by their head coach, um, they folded. So I, I, I can tell you it's pretty clear looking and listening to the fan base that there's not a lot of sympathy for guys that may have had their feelings hurt or whatever by the way the coach um, you know handled the game five loss. Because to be honest, and this goes back to Rick Bones, kind of Rick Bonus really echoing so many things that the fans are saying themselves. How in the world, with your season on the line, do you come out with a performance um, like that? And uh, as I say, I'm not really sure if this was just a defiant player saying what they had to say, or they just, or maybe they're just used to having their own way and not being challenged like that. But there's a pretty clear disconnect between what the coach had to say and how the players reacted to it. And um, I'd love to know behind the scenes. I mean, Rick came out, and we'll hear from him. Sort of, He didn't walk anything back, but he did sort of say, well, maybe his uh, choice of words were you know, a little extreme or harsh or whatever. Uh, is there anyone that doesn't think that this team needed a harsh reality check a number of times this season? Not me. It was interesting to hear them say they were surprised to hear him say that because he had called them out previously in the season after the Flyers' loss at home and after the San Jose game where he questioned, um, you know, questioned what said these guys think they're giving 100%. They're dreaming. So for a lot of guys to come out and be like, yeah, we didn't know that he felt this. We wish that he would have brought it up. It seems like it was brought up a number of times and. Maybe they choose chose to ignore. Uh, I t- I took it this way. I took it this way. Like, well, you know, he, you know, and listen, Blake did acknowledge that they didn't come out with a game that they liked, that they thought that the the situation deserved. But at the same time, it's almost like, like, well, you know, you're not supposed to say anything like that in the media. You're not supposed to be I, for the longest time. The lack of accountability on this team has, I think, just spiraled into doing the same thing over and over again. Again, this isn't the first time this team's had an unbelievably terrible performance in a game where they were facing elimination. We talked about the Montreal series, and that game in six in St. Louis still stands out to me five years after the fact. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is about, maybe this is almost sort of, the the players in 2023 although i'm not sure that that's the case around the league uh, but man it seems like there's some thin skin in that dressing room and uh if anything i think rick bonuses public approval rating went like this over the course of uh, the last few days uh, not because of the way the team played certainly not uh but the way he had passion and honesty, and unfortunately, and you think back to the start of the season, he was talking about how quiet the bench was at times, and I mean, they're looking for that passion and energy of this club. They had none of it in game number five, Um, and it is sort of funny that the pushback that we've been talking about only came in front of a microphone on Saturday after after the head coach blew up the way he did. No, I thought you were going to say the pushback was from uh, the team's former head coach uh, who was able to get pushback from his Florida Panthers down three, three, one. And you don't see the Seattle Kraken 
saying, oh, you know, we're down our top scorer. We're playing against the defending cup champions, and they still brought it in. I mean, it's definitely a trend. The team's record in elimination games hasn't been good. And, uh, you know, most notably, what, the no-show in St. Louis, when they were only down 3-2 and um, against Montreal in the game four as well after, you know, they kind of faltered in that series after Mark Shifley was suspended. So it was definitely disappointing to see that happen for another time where they kind of, you know, let, although if you ask the players, us, it wasn't the Jets. It was they just had their worst game. And Vegas actually had their best game of the series. Uh, that was another thing that came out of it. I mean, they didn't really point as to why maybe Vegas had their best game, but uh, that was one of the uh, comments coming out of the players as well on Saturday. Yeah, l- listen, here's one more from Blake before we get to Connor Hellebuck. And um, I can't remember who asked this question, so I apologize because it was a good one. Um, I think that there was certainly an air of the possibility that Blake Wheeler wouldn't be back next season. And... He was asked for uh, a question, essentially, if this is the case, how will he, how would he like to be remembered and what does he think his legacy will be here in Winnipeg? Oh, this is from, this is from Jeff. Yes, This is from 13, okay, from Hammer. I mean, um, I, I gave it everything I had, you know what I mean? And I, I, uh, I, I hope that that's good enough, you know what I mean? I, there wasn't a day I took off. Um, so that, uh, that's, that's the, I guess that's the best you can do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it did, listen, I don't want to say that there was a complete air of finality to it because as we heard from the general manager, there's a lot of, a lot of things that need to be discussed and evaluated. So, I mean, nothing is guaranteed. And I think as opposed to the other players, the thing about Wheeler is that at his age, with his ticket, as we saw last summer, that's not an easy contract to move. So who knows about that, whether that will be. But um, I can't dispute that, you know, he uh, is a guy that I think we've always appreciated his level of effort. Um, but... It was an interesting comment and a really interesting long, long pause after he was asked the question. Actually, let's do one more, uh, one more with Wheeler because this was a, another comment from. Uh, I, I think that in a lot of ways encapsulated some of the things that the organization was saying, but also some of the players that have been here for a while as parts of this core. This is Wheeler on how the last five years have lived up to expectations following signing his contract after the highs of the 2018 season. If 2018 didn't happen, I, I, I wouldn't have re-signed here, you know. Um, the only reason I did was I believe we had a chance to win, you know. Um, I thought 2018, we got to the Final Four. I thought we were the best team. Um, it was an opportunity we let slip. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've dedicated my career to this place because I believe that, you know, we had the pieces to, to win. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, uh, yeah, it's disappointing to know that uh, um, that didn't come to fruition. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think what Connor said is pretty accurate, you know, for uh, keeping things in perspective. Um, we've, we've, we've made the playoffs, you know, uh, I think every year but one. Um, so there's an opportunity there that that you know we haven't uh, realized the full potential of, but 
Um, in that same span of time, there's a lot of teams that haven't made the playoffs once. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that haven't won playoff rounds, you know. Um, so it's kind of, there's a little bit of both, you know. There's the pride in the fact that, you know, since I've been here, we've always been competitive, you know. We, we've never been a, a bottom a bottom dweller, um, but we haven't been all the way to the top either. So um, it's kind of a little bit of both. All right, so there's uh, Blake Wheeler. An interesting comment right off the bat that if the uh, the team had, you know, had that run in 2018, he would not have re-signed here. It wasn't a lot of... Um, I mean, I think this organization, as much as Blake Wheeler's done for it, this organization's done a lot for Blake as well, and this city and whatnot. We didn't really hear any of that, but, um, you know, it was about the opportunity to win and to be competitive, and I guess you could say that this team has been competitive if, you know, making the playoffs more often than not is the uh, is the bar. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, but I think it's also pretty clear that there was a potential of much more, and, you know, that hasn't materialized, and in a lot of ways, things have, well, certainly regressed of it from that point, and that is natural. I mean, when you lose the type of players that uh, that happened with the Jets for a number of reasons, probably difficult to get right back to that level, but that's the job. That's what everyone was trying to do, and you could hear a lot of that disappointment um, in Wheeler's uh, answer to that. But he was up there with Connor Hellebuck, and as I've said a number of times, I mean, to me, Hellebuck is the linchpin to this entire offseason. Can the Winnipeg Jets extend him? Is he interested in extending? Does he believe in where the team is going To uh, for a guy that said his number one and really only goal was to win a Stanley Cup? Does he think he can do that in Winnipeg? That was a big part of the topics in and around Helly. Um, this is Hellebuck just, uh, on, uh, how he looked at, uh, the season that just passed. Yeah, you know, we did some great things this year. Um, took a non-playoff team, was in first for a while, battled some adversity, which every team does, made playoffs, and the feeling in the room was great. Going into the series, it was a great feeling. Like, we thought we had a chance. We did have a chance. I think we had a chance in every single game. Maybe not the last one, but in every... Every other game, we were right there. Um, seems to be the storyline, us being just right there. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of heart and soul in that room that gave it their all, and I guess that's all you can ask for. All right, so um, Hellebuck looking back positively on the season, um, and I think a lot of what he said is true, Reem. Um, I won't really dispute any of that. It it does almost just sort of. Um, omit you know about a 30 game stretch in the second half of the season where you know you mentioned how we were in first for a while and then he had to play 13 straight games to drag this team into the playoffs so um listen i'm a positive person i don't mind um leaning on the positive side of things especially in a situation like that but i think it's pretty clear that there are way bigger questions for the organization to answer for connor hellebuck based on what his plans are going forward and um Number six, Reem, uh, is Hellebuck talking about if he's thought about negotiations this summer uh, all relating to his future. Um, I haven't thought about negotiations at all. Um, I think that's a better question for Chevy. 
could be important. Uh, I haven't had my meeting yet, so I don't know where his mind's at. But um, for me, I just, like I keep saying every year, I just want to win a cup. So I, I don't know what the future of this team is going to look like. I don't know what their plans are. Um, and I don't know if I'm in it, to, to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure what they're thinking. Um, as far as I'm concerned, is um, I'm going to give everything wherever I am. Um, if, the, if they decide to move me, that's their call. Um, if they decide to try to talk, I, I haven't really thought about that yet. So um, time's on my side. I got all, all, all summer, so um, I'm not in any rush. Yeah, that was uh, the first of a couple of comments from Connor Hellebuck that you know maybe gave us a little bit of a uh, an eye into where his head is at right now. And um, we certainly didn't hear, <clears throat> oh, I'd love to stay here for the rest of my career. I really believe in where we're going, and I believe in this group, and um, I'd love to get an extension done. And, you know, maybe that's partly negotiating. Uh, I'm not sure. But he's not a guy that I think ever, I mean, we joke about the truth serum. Connor Hellebuck has, I mean, at least in his mind, like I don't think he ever BSs anybody. If someone asks him a tough question and some, and we've seen this happen before, he'll just simply say, I don't want to answer that. So I think we're getting the honest look on Connor Hellebuck as to what he thinks about his situation. I think it's very much up in the air. Um, Hellebuck uh, number six is, uh, we, we just did number six, so yeah, 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 we want to go. Yeah, here's the uh, here's seven Hellebuck on um, if he would like to know the immediate and long term plan of the club here in Winnipeg. Definitely, yes. Uh, I'm not interested in a rebuild. Um, I'm just looking to compete every year. Um, this year was so fun, uh, and then getting into the playoffs, it's just it's a different style of game. You only get so many of those, and going through five games of them made, I enjoyed myself more in five games than I did all year. And I know from previous experiences, every every round gets more intense and, and more fun. And it's like a, a high you gotta chase. And you can't you can't replicate that anywhere else other than the playoffs and, and in the NHL. So. That's that's all I'm really looking forward to is trying to get myself back in those playoffs and a chance. All right, and uh, always interesting stuff from Hellebuck. Uh, the one thing that came out of that, and this was before he was really even asked about it. I guess he was asked about it in a, in a roundabout way. Um, and he was the first of many players, Reem, that said that they are not interested in a rebuild. And I guess it all depends on what people are describing or what your definition of a rebuild is. Um but it doesn't seem, and I and I understand Hellebuck, it, you know, in his prime where he's at, doesn't want to be on a team that for a couple of years is, you know, more concerned about a first draft pick like we saw in so many spots this year in the National Hockey League than competing for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they asked a bunch of guys, like, what do you think about a rebuild? And I don't think any players will be like, yeah, I think we need to rebuild here and start I'm fully in for that. Start, yeah, yeah, next year. fully in. So, like, yeah, every guy said, obviously said no, because, like, how terrible would that be being like, oh, you're on Chicago or Arizona or you have absolutely no chance. So, I mean, they do have a, they're not wrong saying they do have a chance, you know, every year at getting into the playoffs, but it seems like they're just okay with getting, you know, getting in that last spot and, and you know, rolling the dice and seeing what happens because you know we did see Seattle, you know, number seven, and Florida, number eight, and 
in the West, in the East, sorry, those teams won. So, all you know, we've seen teams get in, but you probably have a better chance of winning if you're in one of those uh, upper spots in the conference. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, as much as I said that from a fan base perspective, I think we all expected to hear more from Kevin Chevaldeoff as far as what, how, where does this team go going forward? What is the plan for the future? And, um, you know, I, I hope that that will be more clear and we'll hear more about that you know, in the, in the coming, um, you know, weeks, certainly as we mentioned, I mean, we're less than two months away from the draft, um, which is an incredibly important part of the NHL off season. And I would imagine tons of the work is going to be happening before then. But um, after what Hellebuck had said, and again, I'm sure the conversations, I would hope the conversations with the players from the GM had a little more meat to it than, um, than what we got. Um, as far as the media and the fans yesterday. Um, but it's quite clear that, you know, there is in some ways, especially for a player like Hellebuck, who's so important and will be in so, so high demand around the league, you know, a bit of a sales pitch to, you know, explain and sell a player like that that has a lot of his own control in his future uh, about what this is going to look for like, like going forward. Uh, let's do number 11. This is one more from Helly. Uh, on um, just how the last five years have lived up to expectations um, following signing his contract after that run to the uh, the conference championship. You know, we've fought for playoffs, I'd say, a majority of our years, um, which is fun. It is. It's stressful, but it's fun. Um, I think our biggest year was the year after going to the conference finals. I think that was our a real window at, at doing something special. And then ever since then, I think we've been chasing that high um, and giving ourselves chances. And I know we haven't really gotten to where we want to go. But, I mean, there's got to be something to be said about giving yourself a chance every single year. Like, that's that's some skilled hockey that we've been playing. Um there's a lot of good players in this room. I know that. A lot of skilled players, a lot of good hockey players. Maybe together it just didn't work. Um, I know every single guy could go anywhere and, and be successful. Maybe together it just didn't work, or maybe our, our window was, wasn't this year. Um, it, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but the fact we gave ourselves a chance, and really when you're, when you're at the end of the day, that's, you, you take that. Started out every season. You said, "Okay, you're going to give yourself a chance at a cup." You take that. So we can't look at it like a, a failure in any way, because there's a lot of teams that wish they were in our shoes right now. All right, there's uh, there's Connor Hellebuck, and uh, the one thing, and Remo, we were in the room, uh, and I think every regular listener knows uh, that I am uh, I'm a team Helly guy. I believe that he is the franchise player of this team. I think that having Connor Hellebuck in the net gives the Winnipeg Jets a chance to win every night that they go out, and I think that this entire situation is so incredibly different if Hellebuck's not a part of it. Um, that he is the most important player on this team and his important his future is the most important. And I've been somewhat optimistic on this show. We all remember my back and forth with Jeff a month or two ago about, can they sign Connor Hellebuck? And I said, hey, you give him, you know, a, a deal worthy of what he's earned as one of or the top goaltender in the National Hockey League, I think it'd be nuts not to do it. Ah, I have to admit, I still hope that that happens. 
but I couldn't help but feel. Uh, and again, this goes to a guy that I think is a hell of a lot more honest than just about every other player when they're in front of a microphone. He tells you exactly how he's feeling. I don't know about you being in the room as well, but I, I felt that there was maybe a bit of an air of finality to that. And uh, my heli meter for him returning and being here long term, to be honest, took a bit of a hit after listening to that answer in particular. Yeah, I think part of it was you would hear him say he really, you know, wants to win a cup and he, that's his number one goal. He never said that he believes he could do it here and this is the place where he wants to do it. He said, you know, may, maybe the combination of players we have didn't work in terms of living up to the expectations that had been set after 2018. I remember when they lost to Vegas, I was like, well, it's fine. They're going to be in the conference final like the next year. No. No problem at all. And then they had that amazing start to 2019. But since that second half, it's kind of been downhill. And he, as he said, chasing that high of getting back to the conference final. So I kind of agree. It felt, it, you know, it felt like a funeral for the season. That's like overall the tone of it, because that's kind of what it was. You're looking back on the season. But it felt like something bigger um, when those guys were in the room. It felt very heavy with some of the questions being asked about legacy and the last five, five years. You know, maybe it was just because of the questions, but you know, knowing that those two guys have a year left on their contracts, um, you know, there's some it's going to come to some resolution here this summer. I'll we'll figure out what's going on for next year. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, we're going to hear from Connor Dubois and a couple more as well as Bones. Um, just got to give a thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Pop by one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or hit them up online at myvita.ca. Uh, if you're looking for a great, simple, and easy way to get your healthy fats, which are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health, uh, Health First Omega Supreme is on sale now at Vita Health Fresh Market. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. On sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Uh, seven Winnipeg locations, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Check them out at any of the locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Well, uh, spring is here, and I know many of you may have needs on both your fence or maybe an overhead garage door. Wallace & Wallace is Winnipeg's fencing overhead, fencing and overhead door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace also has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz, 204-452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking heading into spring, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game, head on over to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Uh, they are also the leaders in wedding and wedding party suits. Uh, don't waste your time and money renting tuxes get your suits done at f apparel and the entire wedding party will get a 15 percent discount when you get your suits at f apparel and a free custom shirt and tie as well for all 2023 high school grads 
with the purchase of a new suit. F Apparel is at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And uh, all the new summer blizzard flavors are rolling at Nick and Nicky DQ right now, not to mention all those great eats, including the new Stack Burgers, which are amazing. Pop down and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you do need a uh, ice cream, a custom ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event. Um, all right, Remo, let's get to Kyle Connor. We'll start it off with number 15. Um, you know, Connor was one of the players who was um, very underwhelming in game number five in particular of this series. Um, he uh, he was asked right off the bat about what he thought about uh, the comments post-game from Coach Bones. I think that replied to all of us, the whole team. Um, yeah, obviously a really emotional guy coming off. We just lost, you know, probably not our best effort in that game, so he's obviously fired up. We're all fired up. Um, you know, he let his emotion show. I don't know if... He'd, uh, if you'd ask him to do it again, I'm sure he'd phrase it a little differently. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I guess the issue I have with it is um, just kind of coming out of nowhere, you know, if that's really how he felt. And, um, you know, he kind of came into the locker room after the game and said, said a little something to us there. And then um, obviously said what he said in the media. So I think made a little more transparency before that. But other than that, it's obviously I just see a really emotional guy. Have you addressed it since? Have you guys? As, as well, I just yeah. I mean, I just had my meeting, oh. so I mean, we talked about it there. But um, I'll let you share what. Yeah, I'm not going to say what we talked about there. All right. So there's Kyle Connor, um, and you know Connor in particular. I mean, you know, when he talked about their best players were so much better than our best players. To to use Rick Bonus's quote, I mean, I think we knew you know some of the players that he was really pointing his finger at, and. Um, that certainly was Kyle Connor, um, you know, who, um, and here, let's go to number 16 right here from, uh, from, uh, from uh, KFC, because we wanted to hear what the players had to say about, uh, you know, uh, being aired out the way that they did, um, but also looking forward to the, the future for a player that has a long-term contract and a number of years remaining on it here in Winnipeg. Here's what uh, KFC is expecting or hoping this roster to be. It's tough to say, you know, it's... I really wish I, you know, maybe come up here and give you guys a better answer, but that's the GM's job, and um, you know, obviously, I hope that we put the best roster we can, and we're gonna we're gonna have a chance to win next year, and um, you know what that looks like. I have no idea. I'm sure every guy will tell you the same thing in here. We have hopes and what's gonna happen, but every contract situation is different. Every player is different in their own time in their career. And, uh, you know, I guess only time will tell how that unfolds here. All right, there's a little bit. A couple more from uh, from Kyle Connor, and, and this is interesting, and this is something that I really wanted to hear from players. I mean, just how do they explain, you know, such a great start to the season, being where they were, and then what happened during that long stretch where the team, you know, fell down to being tied for the eighth spot before getting across the finish line as a playoff team. Here's uh, Connor on what happened when uh, they had such that, uh, that long stretch of um, really underwhelming hockey. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not sure. I would have to you know debrief a little better, but I do know that there's ups and downs in the season. 
and you know that wasn't our best time of year I think going into the playoffs we were playing some of our best hockey though I think we learned from it um obviously unfortunate the way the playoffs went but you know going into that I think we'd grown from you know the February we had a little bit of a slide and um yeah we weren't playing our best hockey but you know towards the end of the year I, th I thought we were we were playing really good hockey going to the playoffs um showed in game one and <clears throat> obviously not the result we wanted though all right, so uh, there, Connor. And, I mean, unfortunately, when you hear Carl uh, Kyle talk about that, they did sort of find their way, you know, in those final few games of the season to get into the playoffs. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone disagrees. I mean, the first four periods of the Vegas series were the best hockey we've seen the Winnipeg Jets play in forever. But the Vegas Golden Knights pushed back, to use a Rick Bonus term, and the Jets did not have a lot of answers for it after that, you know, crushing double OT loss in game three. Uh, and certainly in game number five. And uh, obviously there's a big question about this core of which Kyle Connor is very much a part of. Uh, Kyle just spoke to uh, the core's lack of success and if there's a need for a change within that core. You know, we've we've had great success with the core you're talking about. Yeah, we haven't won a cup, but we've shown that we can pretty close get there. You know, we're pretty close, but... Um, that's not my decision to make. Obviously, I, you know, I've gone close with all those guys and um, would love another another crack at it with those guys. Um, but we'll see what happens. It's, I don't know. All right. Now, I mean, listen, as I mentioned, we've got like a hundred clips of uh, stuff and we'll probably be dabbling into this over the course of the next number of days. Um and we'll certainly spend some more time with what Kevin Sheveldayoff had to say. But before we bring in Hammer, we got to get to a little bit of Rick Bonus because uh, I think it's important for the upcoming conversation to hear what Bones had to say after what we heard from a number of players, maybe most notably Blake Wheeler with, uh, quote, the, didn't like the way he handled himself afterwards. Um, 76. And by the way, Bones was not scheduled to speak. Um and I'm not sure, maybe Jeff will have a theory on why this changed, but um, Dubois had, and Perfetti had just finished. Everyone was about to leave. And then Scott Brown had come back and said, Bones is speaking. If anyone was watching the live stream, Ken We basically recreated the infamous WST GIF uh, live in front of us. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprising moment. But Bones came out shortly thereafterwards uh, and First things first, he uh, talked about his response to uh, his players, um, you know, publicly expressing their dissatisfaction about how he aired them out after that disappointing loss to end their season. Well, this answer your questions. You've been talking to the players now, and I think it's fair to come in and answer your questions to me rather than delay it. Okay. So I'd rather players, deal with it head on than uh, delay yeah. it. Good enough. Players from Blake to Kyle, Connor to Adam Lowry say they didn't like the way you handled post-game in Vegas. Yep. Your response. And they're, and they're probably right. But, you know, one of my many faults is that I, I'm too emotional and I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, that being said, um, I, I criticize myself for the choice of words. Um, the, the, the message, um, the message, the clear message is one that I will never accept that kind of an effort in a game like that. I'll never accept that. So again, you can criticize me for the choice of words, that's fine, but never will I accept a game like that. The, the, the hidden message, more or less, is that I never want them 
to be satisfied. Okay, we made the playoffs. We got to ground one. Like I never want them to be satisfied with that. So there's a there's a there's a kind of a message in there that okay, yeah, it's good that we got here, but I will never be satisfied just getting in and getting in the eighth spot and getting in. Uh, and getting into the first round. I never want them to be satisfied. And there's a third message that won't be said or shared with you guys. All right, so there's how Bones started it off. And, I mean, listen, I don't know about you. Tell us in the chat. I appreciated Bones. I mean, listen, sure, there's, uh, you know, part of coaching, especially in today's National Hockey League, is massaging the uh, the egos and hurt feelings when sometimes things are said, and there obviously were some of those after what Bones had to say. But when he said, I will never accept an effort like that, uh, that spoke to the fans. That might have been the one thing that really spoke to this fan base throughout the entire weekend of everything we heard in front of that microphone. And, and, and the other thing that seemed to me in stark contrast from a lot of things that we heard from some players and the GM the next day was I'll never be satisfied with just being there in the playoffs. I mean, we kind of did get to that. Now, maybe those are some guys that know that they're out and they're defending their record over the course of it. But um, it was just so different, much like most of what we've heard all season long, very different from the coach than some of the other players around the club. And it was refreshing. I think it helped. And it was absolutely necessary. And this team needs more of that. So... Bones came out, um, let's go to 78, uh, Reem, because he sort of said that, you know, maybe some of the words that I uh, I regretted, I mean, listen, I'm not sure that he really did, but I think he probably had to, you know, at some in some ways address that because of what the players had to say. Um, this is 78, this is on Bones, On he was asked him, well, what did he regret or what words did he regret about what he had to say? Uh, not disappointed, but um, disgusted was probably too strong a word. Because listen, we we had a great year. We did. What what, what were our goals when we we all met together in September? We had to change the culture. We did. It's a great culture in there right now. We had to make the playoffs. We did. Those were the goals. So they can never don't lose sight of those. We accomplished what we what they brought our coaching staff in. We accomplished. So we're not going to get lose all of that because of a really bad game in game five when you need it the most. So all my criticism was based on that game. Did we fight back in game three? Yeah, we did. Did we like the fact that we were down 4-1 at home? No. 3-1 uh, at home? No. But we fought back in game three. Uh, the, 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 so all my frustrations are based on that one game, not the series. Because this series, we could have won this series. We could have. Uh, and I've never talked to you guys about losing Mo and Shife because I'm, you know me, I don't make excuses. I look for solutions. So I was never going to talk to you. Well, you know, we could have won game three if we had Mo or game four if we had game, if had both of them. I was never going to do that. I don't make excuses. We look for solutions. So again, that's probably part of the frustration of the way we played in, 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 in game five. And Honestly, we, we had a good practice the day before. We had good meetings that day. Going into that game, we felt pretty good <laughs> where the staff did. And then to give up that easy goal in the first period, uh, 
right off the bat, that really hurt. And then giving up those two easy goals right off the bat in the second, like that really, really hurt. And uh, we and we just didn't recover from it. So there was previous pushbacks, absolutely. Even, even when I mentioned February, there was games that we didn't push back hard enough, but there was also games, some games that we did. So I don't lose sight of those things. Um, so, yeah. All right, so there's... um. You know some of the more important clips from Rick Bonus. And again, we're you know we're not going to play Chevy before. I mean, we do have some clips, and I'm sure over the course of this week we'll play them. As I say, we've got so much content to to dive into. But uh, Hammer's ready to go, um, and he's got a big piece at the Winnipeg Free Press, and we'll talk about it um, uh, about Chevy's presser yesterday. Um, just before we do that, uh, we are so pumped to have a Cinnaboy Downs back on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk and. Spring is here. May long weekend's not too far away. And live racing starts on the 22nd. So uh, circle that date on your calendars. You can find out more at asdowns.com on the upcoming season. And, of course, the Triple Crown begins this weekend. And Friday, we'll have a little treat uh, to get us ready for the big race. Our pal Kirk Contois will join us. But uh, great to have ASD back on with us. And I uh, cannot wait to get out to the track beginning with the start of live racing on May 27th. Um, it was great. We were talking about gold eye season and bomber season coming up. Princess Auto, huge supporters and sponsors of both the bombers and the gold eyes and Winnipeg Sports Talk and really everything Winnipeg. We can't thank them enough for uh, doing what they've done for us. And of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. Visit them today or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, well, Consolidated Supply is the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts. As the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba, they've got both new and used golf carts ready to go for you. Uh, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, small engine parts and repair. Uh, whatever your spring and summer plans are, Consolidated Supply can help you get there. Particularly if you're thinking about irrigation systems for a property, talk to our pal Joe over there. You can... Pop by and see them at their new showroom, which is open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, the Whites are put away for the season, but Royal Sports is just getting ready for spring right now. As I mentioned, NFL Draft on the weekend. Great new draft caps this year. They're all there, obviously, unless they're sold out at Royal Sports for your favorite team. So if you're fired up for the upcoming NFL season, you can get suited up at Royal Sports. Obviously, they have the best selection of licensed merchandise from the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, and Blue Jays. Had a friend... Uh, who's getting ready for a Jays trip coming up for May Long Weekend. Pop by and grab a couple sweet Jays jerseys from Royal yesterday. Uh, and it's not just merch as well. Spring stock is arriving daily with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and so much more, not to mention a huge selection of bikes. 750 Pembina Highway. Pop down and see them or follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, hey, we got a game seven tonight. And the Fanalytics menu is waiting for you at Boston Pizza. Tons of great new offerings tailored to sports fans, including the new triple play combo with Thai chicken bites, cheesy bandera bread, and cactus cuts. Pop by there tonight for the big game starting at 7 o'clock. And if you're staying in, you can always order online 
at bostonpizza.com. All right, we've done a lot of listening. Shout out to everyone in chat, by the way. Great to have another big turnout. I have a feeling this is just the start of a uh, pretty exciting offseason, certainly at least here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hopefully the fans will uh, be fired up at some point with moves. What's happening? Well, we're not sure. There's a lot of talking, not a ton of substance, and let's get to all of that right now with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's going on? Great seeing you on the weekend. Us, good to see you too. I um, first day off in 12 straight days of uh, working Jets playoffs, and once you have it, I don't feel great. So apparently, I need to be running myself into the ground to feel uh, normal. But uh, certainly, looking forward to this hit. What a weekend it was. What a last. At first, it was a great 24, then it was a crazy 48, then it was a, a wild 72-hour stretch, and certainly 96. My, no, what is it? Yeah, 98 or whatever. Or 48, 96, yeah, hours. My math is horrible. I'm a journalist. So what a, what, what a, what a time to talk Jets. Let's, uh, let's get to it. Well, um, you know, let's kind of go through the weekend almost chronologically. Um, oh. I found the most interesting um, player availabilities was the ones right off the bat with Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck. And, um, you know, Hellebuck was somewhat introspective, um, you know, was his kind of unique self. He had been, gave his thoughts on where things were at. Um, but, and you know, well, we've discussed this before as someone that, you know, believes that he's the franchise player and the key to keeping things going forward. Um, as I mentioned, my, uh, my optimism level for their ability to keep him around, um, was diminished by listening to what he said, but I also said, well, let's wait till we hear from Kevin Sheveldayoff on kind of the answers to his questions. Needless to say, we didn't get to that. Um, and then there was Blake Wheeler, who was more than willing to say that he didn't appreciate what Brick Bonus had to say to the extent of uh, didn't like the way he handled himself. Um, <laughs> Isn't that rich? Well, I mean, you were in the room. I mean, what uh, what did you think about those two players? You kind of spoke to different things uh, at very different points in their career. Whether you like their honesty or not, I thought that that the first two guys in Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck were the most honest because it became very evident over that, at least to me, that neither of these guys are going to be back next. Um, you know, for Blake Wheeler to end it like that, I mean... I, if that is indeed the end for, for 26 here, I just thought it was, it just was, it just to me summed up exactly what he stood for this entire time. You know, there was not, you know, it's not all on Blake Wheeler and all, you know, and certainly not all on Connor Hellebuck. I mean, I just thought the, the player interviews as a whole, as I'm sure we're not going to go through every single one of these guys, but um, it's not even so much what they said. It's, it's what they didn't say. And two, two things in particular stood out to me. Like, look, I don't think you can disagree with any of the players if they say I didn't like the way Rick Bonus handled him, you know, handled that decision, you know, go out and to blast us the way that he did. I don't think you want players who like I don't think anybody likes to be criticized. So it's not so much it's not so much acknowledging that you didn't like how he handled it that you had to find out through the media and, and all these things of what he said and that, you know, that you certainly know that Mark Chipman and Kevin Sheveldayoff didn't like it because it dominated not just the narrative in Winnipeg, but over the NHL for a while. You had people tuning in about how dysfunctional it, it seemed to make the Jets organization and, and everything. So it was a bit of a fire. But from the players, from the, from the standpoint of the player interviews, again, okay to acknowledge you didn't like the delivery, but nobody in the in, – in every – you know, maybe Hellebuck was the closest to come with some truth about how they played. 
but like nobody acknowledged that what he was saying was true. Like nobody, in, in fact, somebody went, some people went even further to disagree with not, you know, disagree with what he was saying that, that, you know, when the Jets players, best players need to be their best players, they weren't. I mean, that was just outlandish to me how you couldn't agree with it, particularly in, in, in the context of just game five. I mean, you got to acknowledge that that was a bad effort in, in a must-win game. And the other part I thought was interesting was, you know, Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor, I think were two of the guys that said it most, was that, like, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, are you serious? Like, it was – like, it's been – this has been the this has been the call all season long from Rick Bonus. I mean, how many times like, – it wasn't that long ago that he said if, if some of these guys think they're giving it all, they're dreaming. I mean, the players had – if the players never caught that – you know, live, they had interviews the next day all about that. I mean, this is this team's been hammered with this kind of criticism. So to, to feel like this was somewhat out of the blue was, was just so bizarre to me. And then finally, not one guy, not one guy, not Blake Wheeler, who, yeah, I guess you lost your C, you know, that, that was obviously needed because other people felt they needed a voice in the room. Rick Bonus still made you a top six player for long stretches. You didn't deserve to be believed to be a top six player. Josh Morrissey couldn't couldn't stick up for his coach, who made him a, a Norris Trophy candidate this year and allowed his offense to flourish. That was the first thing that Rick Bonus said was coming was the defense. No one benefited more than that than than Josh Morrissey. Mark Shifley scored forty two goals, a career high. He couldn't have his coaches back. Heck, he didn't have his last two coaches back. So that's not surprising to see that. You know, Kyle Connor led this team in points. Not one guy could stand up and say, yeah, I didn't like what he said, but what he said was the truth. The lack of accountability is just striking with this team. And it's the reason, and this will be the legacy that Blake Wheeler leaves behind. He wanted to, you know, he gave it it all, gave it his all. Absolutely he did. Played through injuries. Absolutely he did. But he also was the model of lack of accountability throughout the entire process. And so it's just bled into this team, and we and we saw it on full display. You're getting, I'm getting messages from people across the country laughing at the Winnipeg Jets, and it just it just tapped off with with Kevin Cheveldayoff's presser because he talked for 42 minutes, but he said absolutely nothing. And and now the Jets have the have the beautiful job of going into the summer trying to fix their team, which is going to seem like next to impossible, and then they're going to have to encourage fans their fan base to buy tickets. And and I don't know how it's at this point, and I've gone to the buffet here. I don't know which one's more difficult, and I don't know which one the Jets are more capable of handling. Yeah, um, listen, there's a, a lot to get to in that, and we will get to Shovel Day off and talk about your column in a minute, and we will get to Bones, but I'm glad you brought up Josh Morrissey um, to me. And Remo, if you can, tee up um, clip number 34. I, I want to play this just before we get into uh, get into this next one, but I... Listen, was I surprised that Blake sort of had his take on it the way that he did and felt uh, empowered to express it that way? Not really. Um, we know who Blake Wheeler is, and, you know, that's um, that's a guy that, you know, I think, you know, certainly he's a proud guy, but, you know, feels like he has the ability to speak that way, and, and he went and did it as much as I disagree with it, and I'm totally with you would have really appreciate some acknowledgement that that wasn't just some off-base comments from a guy that was pissed off that they lost, that there was a lot of truth into that. Um, 
I was left wanting more from Josh Morrissey, um, you know, to be honest. Big and time. there's two guys that we talk about, you know, last year, last Adam lead, Lowry, lead, you can throw in that group well, too. Well, I was just about to say, guys? and two that's those the guys clip. took a massive hit on their leadership this that, year. If these guys that, want to be captains next year. Holy smokes, did they take a hit? Well, this was this was what Lowry had to say on that, and um, I think it's important to play this one in the context of what we're talking about. This uh, was when Adam Lowry was asked about what Bones had to say after Game Five. I I don't know if I think it was targeted at our whole team. So, uh, you know, we would have wished that maybe Rick would have just come to us and told us how he felt rather than kind of going into the media and and saying those things. Um, You know, especially if that's the way he felt since February, I think could have had some conversations and, you know, maybe maybe tried to to make some changes. So, you know, I, I, I don't think... Our group didn't have any pushback. I don't think, you know, the comments were necessarily accurate of how we feel our team is. And I I think sometimes your emotions run high. You you say things um, that aren't necessarily as descriptive as as you would want them to be or, you know, they're they're so blunt that, you know, it it doesn't seem or kind of, it doesn't generally paint the picture how how you'd hope it to be painted so um i I think that's the thing we'll we'll have talks with rick we'll we'll see where you know exactly where he's coming from where he's at with those comments and and go from there all right so there's adam lowry and um and and listen i'll say this um i think both of these guys are great teammates and have a lot of support for their club and that's part of what leadership is and in some ways maybe they were back and the rest of their teammates at it um i would have loved to have heard a little acknowledgement that we understood why he was saying it whatever that didn't happen josh wasn't even in the game so you know maybe he's sort of backing you know the guys that he goes to war with all the time and you know is in a bit of a different situation because he wasn't in it i mean for lowry I mean, Lowry's the one guy that I think you could pretty much count on being there, shift in and shift out throughout the playoffs, including game five. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of help. But um, this was, well, I mean, listen, you just heard it. You kind of topped on it before. But, I mean, in particular for those guys who are really thought to be the core of this leadership group moving forward, the leaders on the Winnipeg Jets that will be hopefully carrying in a new culture, um, the reaction to those two players in particular, especially what we just heard from Adam. Yeah, I don't really know what else there is to say besides those players should have taken the opportunity to own some of it. You know what I mean? I know Josh Morrissey wasn't in the series, but to look back at some kind of at this year as some kind of glowing success. I mean, you don't need to outright apologize for it. I know some fans fans would probably like an apology. I, I, I'm, I don't find myself in that camp, but some kind of acknowledgement for the for the fans of the city, like. That's the other thing about this. Nobody, nobody used their platform to talk about, you know, to thank the fans, to thank, you know, the, the, the paying fans, the ones that, you know, pay their contracts, the ones that fuel this, fuel this league. Like it, it to me, that's just, it's, it's just shocking. And um, I mean, specifically to, to 17 and 44, like, I don't know if this is like the lingering Blake Wheeler effect or if they truly just don't believe they need to be accountable and like this, but to, you know, I get it's raw and fresh. It's not, it's not two minutes after game five. This is a couple days after and, you know, time for reflection. So for, for nobody and particularly Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry, the two guys that appear to be, you know, lack of a better phrase, duking it out for, for the next captain of this team, 
you know, to have not one of those guys really step up and, and share kind of, you know, the ownership of, of this season and how disappointing it was and how you want it, you know, both of them are coming back, right? Like, you know, how we're going to do our best to, to, you know, be better next season, all the cliche stuff that, yeah, might sound blah, blah, blah. But when it's not uttered in other words, like, you know, lots of excuses and particularly when we, they spoke directly to the leadership, pretty much just bowed down to 26 and, you know, Josh Morrissey saying, this I, I don't even know what the point is. Ask the coach, like almost as if he disagreed with with the decision. It just it seems to me that there's obviously a, a, a something broken there. The, the hesitancy to step up and feel ownership of a room. The reality is, is this is no longer Blake Wheeler's team. Like it shouldn't be Blake Wheeler's team. It should be the younger group ushering a new era's team. Someone needs to step through. And and while you know, I don't think you can. You can put a full assessment, obviously, to, to their leadership in one moment. Wow, did that seem like a missed opportunity to not dump on anybody, but to own some of it as, as the future, you know, as, as the current and potentially future captains of this team. Well, uh, and you know what? We'll, we'll save the Dubois situation going forward because that's going to be something we'll be talking about probably every day as to where it is. But, I mean, uh, if you were hoping that Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to show up and say, you know what, this actually was a good season. I believe in this team. I'm open to it. It didn't happen. Um, and it just essentially reinforced everybody's thoughts that um, he was going to be out of here ASAP. And that could very well have been the last time he speaks with the Winnipeg media as a member of the Winnipeg Jets on the weekend. Um, but after the players were finished up, Bones came out, and that wasn't originally part of the plan. I mean, they told us right off the bat that the coach and the general manager were not going to be speaking today. Um, first of all, were you surprised that that changed why do you think it did? Um, and then we'll get into what we heard from Rick Bonus, which was still very different than just about everyone else that was in front of a microphone for the entire weekend. Yeah, like surprise, no, because I don't think it was Rick Bonus's call to to wait the next day. Like I think that's just a Jets thing, right? I mean, especially when you look at you look at their last you know couple of days. I think the the PR department with Winnipeg was was working overtime, at, you know, after the season, really seconds after the season was over and probably didn't need or, you know, probably wanted to control it even, even more than usual to make sure that they weren't dealing with fireworks again. And, and then, you know, you know, whether or not they were aware or orchestrated, none of that, the, this United re- response, you know, ultimately disagreeing with, with uh, bonuses actions, whether that was, you know, let like whether Rick was let know of that and, and whether he wanted to answer for it. I just think they looked at it and didn't need to have, okay, this is now the news cycle for one day. Everyone disagrees with coach. Um, and then the next day is okay. And more, more, another, another 24 hour news cycle of the coach, you know, whatever his response is just to get them out together. So whether that was, you know, it seemed like Rick did say that was his desire to come out, whether that was the jets desire, I guess we don't know, but um, yeah, interesting that he did come out and, it was, you know, I thought he he certainly walked back some of his comments. I mean, I, the two things that I take away as far as walking, you know, I mean, he could he have used better words? Yeah, you know, disgusted is pretty pointed. It made it, it's a pretty juicy headline. Disgusted is way worse than disappointed, right? So, you know, for him, you know, would does he re- regret using that word? Yeah, probably. But to me, I saw a guy who who just has a passion for hockey, but probably even more importantly, a passion for the city. And I think. A lot of fans would have liked to see some of that, some of that passion, you know, seep into the players because Rick Bonus, as we know, played for this organization and Jets 1.0, coached this organization and Jets 1.0, you know, in his time here as coach and Jets 2.0, 
he's a guy that that everybody you know he's a guy that that everybody you know that, that certainly loves this city has acknowledged the whiteout over and over acknowledges fans you know loves everything about this city bleeds winnipeg and to me i saw a guy who was frustrated that he wasn't getting enough of that um from his players and so even though he you know he did walk back the the you know the disgusted word and um he stood behind the rest of it. I mean, he did kind of, I thought, limit it to game five. I mean, you did mention January, February about the, you know, the, you know, your top players not having multiple any times. multiple times and that, and throughout the year. So maybe he just didn't want to add fuel to the fire there, whatever. He definitely took it back. But I also think what he was saying, I don't think he softens those conversations necessarily in his one-on-one with the players. And I think Rick Bonus knows that there's going to be change here. I think, you know, I think everybody knows there's going to be change here, or at least there's going to be attempt to be change here. And uh, while I do think there's some bridges that maybe need to be mended, um, I don't think that's going to be all that difficult because, you know, I think Rick Bonus is here to stay. He's got the confidence of of Kevin Sheveldayoff. And, um, you know, he's... One of his biggest assets is his is his bluntness. I guess it's come to backfire a bit here, but it's his brute it's it's his brutal honesty and willingness to to deal with things head on and not you know not let them you know whatever simmer over time. You know what? I, I'll actually probably disagree. I don't think they have backfired at all. If anything, Rick Bonus is the one guy right now in that building that I think this fan base believes in. That I think that his fan base appreciates where he's coming from and we talk about passion he says he has a lot i still remember he missed what like the first nine of the first 10 games and came back onto the bench and this was very early in his time coaching this team and he mentioned at one point how quiet the bench was how um and, and he started talking about how you know hockey players need to play with passion and that level of passion unfortunately was missing all too often for this club and if you want to see the difference between what the winnipeg jets or what the winnipeg jets are missing compared to some of the other teams around the league that might not be as talented as them might not have the personnel that they have but their level of passion compete will to battle has been on display in these stanley cup playoffs and I think about a team like the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders, you know, went into Carolina and sold out for 60 minutes doing everything they could to get that series back. And then they took it to overtime against a Carolina team. I mean, those are the sort of things that were really missing with the Winnipeg Jets after Vegas punched them in the mouth, after they looked like the, you know, second coming of the 80s Oilers for four periods in that. And, um, to me, I mean, when we talk about the sort of players that this team needs, I mean, obviously you need to have some players that have skill that can get the job done. But the actual identity core of this team didn't have enough passion. And Rick Bonus has a ton of it. Fans appreciate that. And they sure as hell appreciated his frank honesty. Because let's face it, fans in this city have been BSed for a long time. And there's been a lot of things that have been sugarcoated to protect the players and protect their feelings. And maybe we now know why. Because when they did get a cold, hard dose of reality coming off of an absolutely horrible game, which meant everything to them sticking around and playing longer this season, um, basically there was, to go back to an old Mauricism, a lot of ruffled feathers on Saturday from that group. And... um, I mean, that when you're talking about competitors and guys that have a lot of passion, to me, that shouldn't have been where the anger was placed 
it was more on what the heck happened to them in the middle of the season that we heard over and over again. And most importantly, and most recently, um, the complete lack of pushback to use Rick's uh, quote um, in a game that their season was on the line. Well, and there's other questions that come out of that, right? Like the makeup of this team. Okay. If that's, if that's the case, there seems to be very little killer instinct here, right? There seems to be very little interest in, 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 Playing a structure that is as demanding as the one Rick Bonus has in, as you know has put in. I mean, he, he talks about the word aggressive all the time. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily having to be aggressive in in physicality and, and having to finish every single tre- check, but it is aggressive on the puck, smart defending, smart you know, quick transition, constantly going. Like it just seems like you know how many how many times have we heard over this season guys doing their own things or guys going off and on their own programs and whatever, right? You know, guys talk privately in the dressing room about how, you know, they'd get their pre-scouts every day and, they, you know, guys would be nodding heads and they go out and do something completely different. That, to me, is is not just – it doesn't necessarily signal a, a, you know, rebellion or a complete disagreement with the coach. You know, it definitely could be that. But it almost feels at this point, given it was the same thing under Dave Lowry, the same thing certainly under Paul Maurice – is that I just don't think this team is built that way. I just don't think that they're built to play a hard defensive checking style. And that's where, you know, where you can like your core all you want. You either need to find a coach that's going to let them play that free-like hockey that seems to be so habitually ingrained with this team or find different players to play a harder-to-play-against style of hockey. And I would argue that the second option is is, is probably your route to success and, and why the Jets need to, under Rick Bonus, identify the, the style of players in which they need to, you know, to compete at, you know, at, at, in, in this structure. I mean, look at the two guys that were, that were picked up over the trade deadline and Vladislav Nemestikov and Nino Niederreiter. I mean, they ultimately set the bar for effort, you know, after they, after they were acquired in March and, and, and to, to have those guys come into a system late and be the ones that seemingly are executing at its highest, you know, on, on, at least on a consistent basis is, is an indictment to the rest of the roster and, and how it's made up. And that, that falls on Kevin off obviously. And it'll be, you know, apparently his job now to get them out of that and to find the right players. And hopefully, you know, with this offseason, there's very, 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 I, I, from, I've heard from scouts, the worst, you know, free agency period coming up this summer. Um, that bodes well for the Winnipeg Jets who have trade pieces because it's going to be those those teams aren't going to have nearly the, the the number and quality of of players hitting free agency this summer and but they know they know for sure that there's a handful of Jets players that showed no inclination no simply no no suggestion whatsoever that they were interested in returning long term and so you have to think Kevin Cheveldayoff's phone will be ringing. We'll see what happens uh, you know from those calls. Well, I, I agree with you on on that. Um... And you know what? Coming out, and I said this last week. I mean, I, I and maybe I was naive. <laughs> I, I guess, obviously, in retrospect, I was. Um, I was expecting to hear a lot more from Kevin Chevaldeoff because of the situation. Um, I mean, everyone that pays attention to this team knows that this is the most intriguing off season with some major, major decisions to be made by the club we've probably ever seen. I mean, this has been, I mean, they've kicked the can down the road for the last couple of years and it's brought us to this point and now, and we don't need to go over it. It's Hellebuck, it's Shifley, it's Dubois, Wheeler. I mean, there's one year left on all of that. And I think we all know or assume that there's no way in hell the Winnipeg Jets can afford to just 
run it back one more time and then have all these players leave and be left with nothing. Um, so I was expecting to hear, and listen, I understand he's not going to get up in front of the microphone and say, yeah, this guy's gone. We're trading this guy for sure. Half the roster is going to be different. Uh, like that would be, that, that would also be naive. But I did think that there would be a little bit more meat to a plan going forward. And I mean, from my perspective, Jeff, it was a lot of, well, this is the start of the off season. We're going to be meeting. We're going to be doing evaluations and we're just starting all the process. But um, I think this fan base in this city needed a little bit more of a bone to um, give an idea about how things were going forward. And I mean, hopefully that happens in the future, but it really didn't happen at all yesterday. And um, I don't know, was there anything other than the fact that uh, Rick Bonus was going to be back as the head coach after everything that happened that we really learned on Sunday afternoon? No, yeah, outside of that, not really. I mean, we learned, um, yeah, no. I mean, a lot of those things, as you mentioned, right, like, like it's, it, does it really make sense for Kevin Sheveldayoff to come out and say, we're rebuilding starting this year, we're open for sale, you know, yada, yada, like, I, you know, probably not, even though that's probably as close to the reality he's facing. You know, some might suggest that just the way they're the makeup of their roster with guys like, uh, you know, Kyle Connor under contract for years, you know, Nikolai Ehlers under contract, you know, Josh Morrissey under contract, that they're not really in a position to rebuild. There's too many pieces there. Um, but I mean, at the same time, there was absolutely no inclination whatsoever that there was an effort to long term anybody either. And, and again, I don't know if it's much of an advantage for Kevin Cheveldayoff to to say that, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is our number one priority, right? Or, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's, I think what's clear is for this team, they're going to, you know, my guess is they're going to go to Connor Hellebuck, you know, immediately figure out what his deal is. Um, you know, I, I think Connor Hellebuck's going to say my con- my next contract with you guys starts with $10 million a year. The Jets, I don't think, are in any position to sign that. Um, and I don't know if I completely disagree with it either. Uh, but I, but again, I don't think they're going double digits for Connor Hellebuck. And so then that becomes the first kind of piece, I think, to, to move a trade, uh, you know, for, for Connor Hellebuck. And then the rest of the pieces have to fall from there. I mean, you're going to have guys like Kyle Connor, who is, you know, pretty blunt about not wanting to be part of a rebuild. Well, unless you're getting a goaltender back, it doesn't necessarily have to be as good as Connor Hellebuck, Hellebuck but it certainly can't be significantly worse. And you're kind of in that situation, but um, I think just I, I think what I think what fans needed out of it, even though I think they wanted, you know, shovel day off to say this is our plan, this is our avenue, yada yada. We want to build a winner. We want to, you know, um, we're going to do everything we can, uh, you know, so on and so forth. I think they would have been happy with just, you know, just admitting that the that the that the status quo isn't working and that we need to be identifying changes to maximize this group if we go with it just some acknowledgement that you know the standard isn't good enough and that we're going to be putting all our efforts to to being better and i know that sounds cliche it can be very surface but sometimes you just need to say it because if you don't say things like that and you you know you kind of are insulting a fan base that is that is educated and aware of the current situation you're facing. I mean, I saw yesterday on social media, you know, that like that fire, you know, dog sitting in the chair, fire around him, everything's kind of fine. I mean, that's what that press conference felt like. It felt like 
it felt like we, you know, you were living like everything was around, you know, up in flames around you. And, and here you are kind of pretending like it's a sunny day out there. And I, I just, I think some, you know, although you weren't going to, again, give you a, give fans a step-by-step what your next plan was. Cause I don't think whether you're planning to break it down or whether you're planning to, to co-status quo or try to build on whatever you have, um, it didn't make sense to tip your if tip your hand, but some acknowledgement that things need to change, you know, regardless of which avenue you go, I think would have gone a long way for for fans and just trusting as they go into this campaign to sell season tickets in a new year that has so much uh, uncertainty surrounding this. Office. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. I mean, if even something as simple as, you know, at this point, you know, the loss in the playoffs is fresh. You know, there are meetings going on. There's a lot of things that we need to figure out, but we do acknowledge that. You know, this is a huge offseason for the Winnipeg Jets, and there will be changes, how big or small they are. I mean, we're not going to commit to anything right now, but everything is going to be looked at, um, and just about everything is on the table other than, as we've said, Rick is our coach. He'll be back. We still believe in a lot of the players on our club. I mean, we're not, uh, you know, we're not turning things over. I mean, we're not pressing the, the, the nuclear option on this, but... There's a lot of work to be done going forward when it comes to, you know, finding out and making this team better, more competitive, um, and a better team going forward because that, at the end of the goal, is. Um, you know, what was weird, and I mean, we hadn't really, I, I don't know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, from you probably in more of these, although I pretty much listened to everything that the coaches said or the GM said since he got on the job, but at one point, and I guess maybe this is, I guess the theory on this, Jeff, is that, you know, for Chevel, they have to come out and be, you know, I mean, I understood that he had his players back because those are his players. And at some point, if you express a huge amount of disappointment, like if he went in on on a Bones type rant, um, inevitably it kind of comes back to him as the guy that assembled the roster and put it all together. So, I mean, I think there was some level of defending the team and what they'd accomplished this year and the fact that they did make the playoffs when a lot of people thought that they wouldn't and were going in the wrong direction. But at the same time, I mean, just even an acknowledgement of where this team is right now in its cycle um, and knowing that we aren't just going to be doing the same thing. Like, a lot of people said, oh, great, here we're going. I don't believe for a second we're going to get more of the same it just didn't seem to make any sense, at least at that time, where there wouldn't even be like a nugget of, you know, this is a bit of a different offseason than the others have been before. And we as an organization have a lot of work to do to figure things out with some key players and keep this thing going in the in the right direction um, and reversing the trend that we've seen over the last five years, even if they want to say that this was a bounce back year because they got into the playoffs as opposed to missing the year before. Well, yeah, and you know, I'll give credit to Judy Owen, Judy Owen from Canadian Press for asking, you know, referencing the fans, and you know, just just how much attention is being paid to this offseason, and how critical, you know, Kevin Chevalier's work this summer will be on the bottom line, right? With the with this with this season ticket campaign that the Jets are currently trying to trying to employ, figure out, maximize, um, and like you know, he just instead of being like. You know, instead of acknowledging the importance of it and talking about how, you know, this is a, you know, every off season is important. I'd be, I'd be crazy to, to, to try to suggest to you that this one doesn't have added 
you know, added importance to it. You know, we're, we're, we're hitting it, you know, a, a critical juncture in our franchise and, and, and potentially, you know, future altering change, all these things we acknowledge um, and all things that we need to take into consideration. And, you know, that's just, you know, obviously adding more motivation. I mean, he resorted to saying, I live in the same community. I, I buy my groceries at the same, you know, at the same grocery stores. I get tripped by my friends at the, at the local coffee shop. It's like, well, yeah, that's great. But, it's everybody else who, who is just kind of asking you to acknowledge the importance of this. And, and, and again, I mean, that, that fell short and, and so did, so did any acknowledgement of, of a, of look, like it's, it's unprecedented here. Right. And, and maybe that's why, and no, that's not maybe, I mean, that's, I think that's why a lot of fans want Mark Chipman to talk. We know how important, we know how important Mark Chipman is to this, this franchise, not just as the co-owner, but there's a reason why the Winnipeg Jets don't have a president of hockey operations. Mark Chipman is the president president of hockey of hockey operations he's in on every decision he's the ultimate decider of of every decision and so you know how like this unprecedented loyalty i mean you know and i, I loved yesterday right like the like you know and i mean he was getting peppered with hard questions kevin shoveled was but you know the whole like don't let facts get in the way and you know how he, he loves to throw in the canadian teams about how the jets have despite having just three playoff round victories over the last uh you know in their in their 12 seasons back yeah compared to the canadian teams they're actually in good sitting but if you're going to compare yourself with the worst playoff performers in the nhl like where are we right now right it was just you know to me it was just you know it just i mean this is there was no surprise and maybe we thought that the you know it feels like as media we always go in there thinking we, we do go in there thinking we're going to get much of the same but i think we fooled ourselves this time thinking that this was going to be you know, just given the obvious of the situation, um, you know, and, and, and the and the potential, real, real potential for mass changes to be in this organization, I think we were expecting a little bit different or a little bit more um, and just unfortunately got delivered significantly less. Yeah, and, and listen, I still do think that we will, well, I assume that we'll hear that at some point. Uh, uh, certainly, we're going to see the of the general manager in the organization that I think will speak to that more than anything we heard yesterday. But I do think, and you mentioned, you know, where the organization is, what they're trying to do, you know, getting some people back on board, getting more companies to buy in and get season tickets, all those things that they have to do, which is totally another department. But a lot of it does hinge on what happens with the hockey club. And more than anything, so many of those decisions depend on the buy-in and belief of fans, companies to, you know, want to be a part of it and want to invest in something that is obviously incredibly important for our city and our community. I just felt like it was a missed opportunity to not acknowledge some of those things and saying, you know, it's very difficult to speak on these things now, but obviously this is not just a regular off season. And it was sort of treated that way. And I don't know. I, I don't think that they did themselves any favors in the court of public opinion um, by sort of just not really getting to the meat of the bones is that, you know what, as disappointing as this end of the season was, there are a lot of great men and a lot of great players here, um, but it's pretty clear that, you know, for a number of reasons, there will going to be, there will be change and uh, it's going to make for an interesting off season. Stay tuned, something like that, just a little bit to get people somewhat excited or feel confident about the direction of where they're going, because that was one thing that there was none of. I mean, there was not a, I mean, basically, we're going to talk to some players, some agents, and 
then figure things out. I mean, that's sort of the way it sounded, I think, to anyone listening to it. And that may not be fair. I'm sure that's not exactly what the plan is. But um, as I said, I mean, I don't think they did themselves any favors with um, just the way they really didn't touch any of the things that are right in front of everyone paying attention to the big picture of the Winnipeg Jets right now going into May of 2023. Well, it just felt like again, like, and I hate, I hate that view, that viewers have to relive this through us right now. But um, it just felt like it was like you know, in one in in one breath, it was you know, we're not here for excuses, right? We're not here for you know, uh, making excuses for injuries and stuff like that. You know, every team deals with them. Like, was was losing Josh Morrissey and Mark Shifley a sizable you know loss? Absolutely. There's absolutely no denying it. But when you start going into like when you start going into the series and how if you only scored on that four on three, you know, like in game three and like you start doing those things, like that's stuff that loser organizations do. Like organizations don't do that. Like they don't come out and talk about all the excuses. You might be internally lamenting those things, but to air them out publicly again, like you got to take a different approach to the fans. You got to be, you know, you got to be, be taking some level of accountability and just to acknowledge, like, I mean, man, like I asked three questions yesterday it was absolutely exhausting. Like one being, you know, where's the level of like, where's the standard over here? Right. Because they're talking about how, you know, they get to the playoffs five out of six times. I'll remind that one of those was a play in round that you didn't get out of. Um, you know, it, it's just like, it's just like, look at our playoff record. Well, yeah, but the fact of the matter is it's been 12 years and, and three, three, you know, you've won three rounds. That's not good enough. And to not acknowledge that, like, to not even set what your standard is, like, I mean, you don't have to – you can say our standard is to compete for the Stanley Cup every year and yada, yada. It's just it's just side-talking everything, concrete questions. Like, you know, I don't need to justify my job, you know. like, And, and that's fair. You don't need to justify it to me. You should be justifying it to the fans. That's what the questions are for. You don't have to justify it to the media. There's fans out there – that have absolutely zero trust that Kevin Chevalier will get this team to the next step. And that's his opportunity to, 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 you don't have to plead for your job. We know you don't have to plead for your job. You have the safest job in the National Hockey League. That's, you know, abundantly clear. But you should be telling fans, some, giving fans some kind of hope of how you, you know, how you want to persevere here and how important it is to get this team back on track, how important it is to the fan base that you're doing, you know, important you know important work and striving to be better and acknowledging acknowledging that you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve and that you're going you're going to be doing everything to get to new heights while it may just be talk and actions are more important when you're act when you're when you're not even talking it let alone your actions that's going to create a lot of frustration in the fan base and that's what we're seeing right now well you know listen i agree and you know, there'll always be people, uh, you know, on either side, no matter what they do, they love it. No matter what they do, they hate it. But there is a big, big middle of folks that they're, they're just looking for a reason to be optimistic going forward. And unfortunately, when your season ends the way that it did with basically a no-show um, against a team like Las Vegas and being handled the way they did, and then you look back at this core and look at the way the season ended against Montreal – and frankly, this year, in a lot of ways, is exactly like 2019, except the team wasn't quite as good as that team. Like, that team was a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, was as good as just about any in the National Hockey League. And 
internally seemed to implode in the second half of that season. Well, what the heck happened between the middle of January and the end of the season here? It sure seemed very similar to what happened in 2019. And then a series in which early on you had some really good things happen against a very quality opponent. And then when the chips were down playing for your playoff lives, I mean, it was it was equally as bad as what we just saw last Thursday against Vegas in that game against uh, against the St. Louis Blues. And I mean, I guess that's somewhat in, it's indicting on the players. It's indicting on the core, the team that you've built. And maybe it's hard to kind of acknowledge that publicly. But um, I can't imagine what it was like for those guys to watch a performance like that having happened multiple times before when. I mean, we always talk about, you know, it's easy to go in and play well against a poor team in the regular season or get up for a big divisional game. They say it over and over again. This is about making the playoffs and then how you compete in the playoffs. And, I mean, I don't think anything could be more disappointing than a performance like that. And if it was a one-off, okay. But this isn't a one-off right now. And, Again, he's not going to go out and say all these guys, you know, let us down or whatever. But um, an an acknowledgement that some things are going to change and they're looking for more of what they're missing, even as simple as that. And stay tuned for the next couple months because it will be interesting around here. Probably would have gone a long, long ways to at least buy them a little time because, I mean, 42 minutes of just not really saying much. I think was maybe the worst thing that they could have done right now when it comes to uh, questions that we've been asking for a long time that haven't been answered and now have to be answered. And it still seems like, well, the evaluation is ongoing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and it didn't help that the ventilation system was broken in the, well, <laughs> at the okay. media center. Because, that was the funniest part of it, it all. Like, it was like you had Kevin Chevalier smiling at d- certain points, which I'm sure fans, I got some people commenting, thinking, what's this guy so happy about? Um, but then it was by the end of it, it was like when we were there for we were there the day before for five or six hours. I didn't know. I thought it was a sick joke. I thought this was the Jets' last kind of dig at the media, just put us in this sweat box. But yeah, definitely did not, was definitely not the setting that Kevin Sheffield would have appreciated talking in front of for 40 plus minutes. But I, I, I actually, I actually felt bad for Chevy, like by the end. And I mean, he got a little testy there with Marat, the uh, the don't let the facts uh, line or whatever. But I mean, if you looked at him in the last five minutes, you haven't answered a single question. Was <laughs> I, I was hoping that was that microphone was in my head at the time. It would have been. <laughs> we're talking facts. We haven't heard a single answer today. But but the thing about it was back to the ventilation of the room. It was so hot. He's got those lights on him, like yeah, he's yeah, sweating, and then all of a sudden his lip is sweating. I mean. This looked like a hostage video at times. The only thing they were missing was a Sunday edition of the Winnipeg Free Press holding it up like the proof of life, knowing that it's happening. Um, so that was kind of a, a, a funny side to it all. Um, but as I said, I mean, he was feeling some very good questions from a number of the media. And uh, I, I don't know whether, I, I certainly don't think fans or any of us are really any further along in knowing where the direction of the team is. But um, I kind of think at some point they have to give that direction of the team, whether it is very vague in general, which it probably will be until deals and, and moves are actually made, um, but something for people to kind of buy into and get excited about going forward because I think that is definitely there. I think there's a lot of people that would say, you know what, listen, we think that there could be some significant changes to this uh, this organization, 
um, we still believe we've got a lot of great players and a lot of great assets, and we're going to do what's best for the team going forward. I, I mean, I don't think anyone would scoff at that. Um, but as they say, that's why I just kind of feel like it was a bit of a missed opportunity for an organization that needs some things like that for all the other things we've talked about away from the hockey operation to get done for next season. And to your point, and the many of us have been saying it and just stating the obvious really is that we're going we're gonna to find out here. You know, we're going to find out by the draft and the draft is not that far away. It's we're looking at two months away from, you know, the end of June here. And a lot of those decisions need to be made. So while, you know, it's too fresh, too raw right now, I'm sure everyone's going to take a couple weeks off, maybe even a month. Um, but they're, they're going to get down to some serious talks here because the Jets, you know, Kevin Shevelday, is going to have to get some kind of surety from the, from these players on, on their interest in staying long-term because there's no point in wasting time here because if you, if you don't want to be back, if you're not expecting to sign a long-term deal, you can't have any of those players really going into next season. You know, if I was to look into my crystal ball, I could see maybe a little bit of play by the Jets where, you know, whether it's Darren Drager tweeting out that they, you know, they plan to run it back or bring, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is their number one centerman, centerman of the future, all that kind of stuff. I think they're, you're going to see some of those headlines here in the next whatever coming weeks. And then when, then, you know, I don't want to say the inevitable, but what seems like the inevitable, you know, everyone gets moved or everybody eventually kind of ends up in a trade. It's, well, then, then the conversation is, well, we did everything we could, right? We wanted these guys. We didn't want to go into rebuild mode because I think this franchise is afraid of what a rebuild mode will look like at the, uh, at the box office. And so, you know, I think this is just kind of setting up certainly what has to be a summer of change because unless, unless these players have a change of heart and want to sign long-term deals, I mean, this is Kevin Shoveldeff doesn't have any other decision but to, but to test the market. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the market is actually a pretty good one given how few unre- you know, pending unrestricted free agents are set to hit the market. Maybe it is a real good opportunity to swap for players, to retool um, rather than rebuild. So we'll, we'll wait and see what that looks like. Um, but I, I do think it's I do think this is a franchise's way of saying, look, we tried everything we possibly could do. We tried, you know, we wanted these guys back. They didn't want to commit long term, uh, and therefore we were forced to go in a different direction. And here's where we're at. Yeah, well, I mean, the Dubois situation is sort of you know one on its own. I mean, if we believe what's been reported for the last you know over a year, um, you know, I don't really think that. You know, I certainly haven't had anything reported that gives me optimism, and certainly from listening to him uh, on Saturday. No one even uh, said I love being a Jet. You know what I mean? Like, no, you know, like Rick Bonus like, did. Rick Bonus did. Oh, no, of course, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. Was it? But like, just, just like who, helping these guys out in their PR stuff. Like, you know, like you don't have you. You could you could have absolutely no interest in signing long term, but you could just say I love being a Jet. You know, like. I love it. I love it. Well, their feelings were too hurt from uh, from what Bones had to say after the game. I mean, uh, none of them were in a right headspace uh, for it, uh, Jeff. Yeah, no, clearly. So we'll see if their headspace can get clearer here and the picture get clearer as we figure out this crazy offseason. We keep saying crazy offseason, right? But who knows? You know what I mean? I'm getting people emailing me back or messaging well, me back. Well, the craziest saying, thing would You're be an idiot. to not you do think anything. anything's going to change. Well, no, that's what I'm like, saying. That would like, be the craziest of it all. Well, yeah, that was going to be crazy. That was supposed to be crazy last year with the defense. And like, it's just, it's just, What's wild is that, you know, and what's wild here is that, you know, maybe it was the worst thing. For, you know, I don't think, I, I don't want to take that stance because I do think the playoffs, as short as they were, brought a lot of energy to the city, brought a lot of passion to a fan base that deserved it. So it's hard to regret the fact that the Winnipeg Jets made the playoffs. But I do think those people who have been saying this before and, and saying this certainly now, 
uh, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, that maybe this was the worst thing to happen to the Winnipeg Jets from a you know, philosophical standpoint and where they feel they're at. Because if they didn't make the playoffs this year, they would have been the team that had, you know, it, was the, it would have been quite, li- quite literally the worst collapse in NHL history to go from where they were in January to where they were, you know, come spring. And that would have absolutely forced, you know, how could you stand up there? How can you stand up there at the podium if, if you didn't make the playoffs and not say that sweeping changes aren't coming or th- something needs to change? So to squeak into the playoffs and then lose in five games, well, again, I thought that was a terrific energy for the city, for the fan base. Again, well-deserved for them who have waited years to do a whiteout. Um, and, it, and it was spectacular. The fans, cer- the fans certainly showed up. But it, if, you, if, if it didn't create this false confidence, um, you know, I think we'd be, be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that. Well, you know what? I, I, I'll listen. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think it was certainly better to make the playoffs than to suffer that indignity. Um, totally. And, 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 you know, for, for a number of reasons, but I don't think that changes Dubois situation. I don't think it changes Shifley's situation. I don't think it changes Wheeler's situation. The only one that maybe it does is Hellebuck in that, you know, we heard from him how important it is to compete in the playoffs and to be there. And he talked about how much fun he had, uh, you know, in those games. I mean, listen, as I said earlier, I mean, my hopes and confidence level of them being able to keep him is lower today than it was on Friday. But I will say this, if they didn't make the playoffs and we were in your situation talking about what happened at the end, I think that would even uh, it would have even hampered that even more than it did by uh, by the way the team went out. Oh, I, I don't think I, I, I don't disagree. I think I think you would have had guys who would have had similar exit, similar media availabilities as last year, where you would have been, you know, Mark Shifley would have been, but how could you not contemplate your future and not wanting to sign long-term if you were the, if you were labeled the NHL team with the worst collapse in league history, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to be touched. The city doesn't want to be attached to that. The fan base doesn't want to be attached to it. So for all those reasons, yeah, absolutely a benefit, but certainly a five game series did nothing I would argue, especially one capped off by the head coach calling out your best players, <laughs> did absolutely anything to benefit your situation and not. Like, I almost feel like it's just as bad. I mean, that was the big takeaway. I mean, I thought Rick Bonus's comments were an indictment from the top down. Like, you know, the organization in general, this was a brewing frustration for months and certainly shot down the value of the top-end players, many of which are up for new you know, potentially new well, extensions. Okay, that's here. a great oh. point. That is a great point, and maybe that is the one reason why Chevy was so. Maybe that's the one reason why Boy walked back to his comments. Because yeah, well, I mean, listen, gone. that was just massaging egos and hurt feelings, well, ruffled exactly. feathers. And, I mean, and, that's and just that was. He said he stood by everything that he done. said. Maybe he shouldn't have said that he was disgusted. Well, guess what? He was disgusted. There's a lot of people that were disgusted, and he just said it. Players but, should have been disgusted. Well, for sure. And I would imagine there was probably some of that in, you know, Mark Chipman's office and Kevin Chevaldeoff's as well. But again, and I think we all have to acknowledge that um, they have some major work to be uh, done. They're being forced into it, um, maybe whether they prefer to do it or not. And having Chevy come out and backbones and say the same things about those players 
probably doesn't do him a service when it comes to uh, trying to maximize value if any of those teams that he uh, he's playing. I will say this just before we go. I get a bunch um, of high fives from the fans, but you're definitely not making your <laughs> your uh, negotiations any easier for sure. Um, I was listening to uh, Murph, uh, Jimmy Murphy today, um, talking with Jeff Merrick. And, you know, they were talking about the collapse of the Bruins and losing that series the way they did after that incredible season. And, uh, of course, I mean, I think everyone that watched the end of that game, you saw Bergeron, I mean, in his hugging with his teammates and the, the stunned look after losing. Um, you realize that both he and Krejci very likely might be gone next year. And um, he started talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and how great Dubois would look in Boston and how it would be sticking it to Montreal. And, um, you know, you look at a situation like that, and again, you know, w- w- the fun part of this, and I know it's not fantasy hockey, but there are trades uh, in the National Hockey League, and, you know, it's uh, up to us and fans to kind of speculate on players they'd like to see and come back. That situation in Boston, and you mentioned without the big free agents there, very, very uh, unique opportunity for a team that may very well be dealing two very skilled, very established NHL players to a spot like Boston at a team. And I think a team like Boston probably would feel like if they could get Pierre Dubois in, make him a key part of a very, very good team, um, that they might have the opportunity to sign him long-term as opposed to just picking up a guy for one term. And and to me, from Sheveldale's perspective, wherever he trades those guys, if the deals do get done, the best thing that they can possibly do is trade those players to, to spots that there might be a possibility of an extension. Shifley, I think, is wide open. Dubois has been reported about Montreal, Montreal, but they really do need to get a few other players involved and um you know if montreal really wants him have to step up a deal to avoid him going somewhere liking it and staying there long term and not showing up in uh, in quebec let's play fantasy hockey here a little bit so yeah i think i think you know there's it's it's very obvious that here luke dubois would love to have a lasting legacy with the montreal Canadiens. i mean you that's no secret i've i've asked him about the you know just what it's like to be you know be from the the, the province and be, you know, be a francophone and, and, and playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, he said it's like, any, it, he says it's, he's like, there's not a single person who, you know, who grew up in this pro- province who didn't, you know, one day dream of playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, that's just the way it works, right? And so um, from a cultural perspective, from a hockey perspective, all those things. Um, but I also think, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, as much as he'd love to sign there, I think he just wants to go to a contending team. And and so you look at a team like Boston and yeah, could, he kind of plays that nasty, right? If you're the Boston Bruins, isn't Pierre-Luc Dubois exactly the kind of player that you want in your locker room? And I think because of the leadership group there, you know, I, I think that's the kind of team that can adopt these so-called problem childs, if you will, players that get reputations, you know, for maybe not pulling the same rug or sorry, in the same direction as their teammates. But Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, would, would probably be would fit well there. Uh, did you not feel like Mark Shifley, when he was giving kudos to Stevie <laughs> Eiserman, wasn't saying, hey, reunite me with my buddy Andrew Kopp out in, in, in Red Wings? Because the last time I checked, the Red Wings have a lot of money uh, to spend on the players. The irony and- of that whole quote was that it was asked in the terms of, 
you know, does he want to stay in Winnipeg and would he sign a contract extension? And he brought up Iserman as an example of a player that was with one organization for his entire career. Um, but I did sort of, <laughs> you mentioned that when we were there. I kind of had a bit of a laugh at that too. But I also thought, I also think like, I think, when you look at this playoffs, particularly Boston, I could see Boston going after a Connor Hellebuck. You know, like I think you need, you know, it's crazy to say that because Allmark's probably going to win Vesna trophy this year, but I think he, you know, I don't think he's as good a goalie. I think this showed you this playoffs that, yeah, two pretty, fairly, really good goalies aren't as good as a really, really great goalie. Um, I also see the Toronto Maple Leafs one day going after Connor Hellebuck. Um, they realize they're a goalie away from from you know great success. Whether or not that would happen, who knows? Um, but then you look at Connor Hellebuck potentially going to to uh, to Detroit, right? Maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity there. He would certainly speed up their rebuild. Um, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunity. I think there, you know, whether it's through picks or players, you know, there's three there's three really good players on the Winnipeg Jets who still have term. Um, well, one year, not really term, obviously, but they, they still have this season under a friendly contract. And then if you can if you can do a sign and trade or allow Connor Hellebuck or any one of these players to to speak with other teams to negotiate deals, I think that just ups the value. So we'll see what happens, man. But something's got to give, and the, and the clock's the clock's on because you can't have a lot of these guys with offer sheets potential after the draft and all these other things, especially with Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean. You could you if he gets into past the draft with no contract yet, offer sheets become big, pretty big deal there. Um, especially if for one year you you give away a lower end price, you, the Jets either have to force it. You know, even if it's a what a six million dollar, seven million dollar deal, it's like one one first round pick or something in around that range. Kind of forces the Jets to either accept or you know or or get rid of it for that. So uh, those moves need to be made early on. Um, and a lot of those moves and, and just clarity needs to be to be made early on. So Kevin Chevalier can figure out a plan here um, and, and execute it as he'll be the man, obviously, in the chair. Yeah, I don't doubt that the work has uh, already begun and it's happening, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I just do think they, you know, back to the, the Chevy uh, bit yesterday, probably could have given this fan base a little bit more of a bone or at least a bit of an idea of their vision going forward that, um, I guess we're going to find out one way or the other <laughs> over these next little while. Hammer, listen, this has been awesome. I could kick it with you all day long. Um, we'll uh, do this again very soon. Enjoy the rest of your day off, and thanks for taking some time to join us on WST today after uh, the grind that uh, this last uh, couple weeks has been for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do, Huss, and uh, I'm sure your sponsors, are, you're getting text messages from your sponsors or Remo saying, we got to go to the commercials, guys. We've got to... You know, got to butter these guys up. We've been going long, but I always love it. You know, that's my reputation. We go into overtime when I'm on. So hey, you know what? Good. Listen, you're OT. You, you show up every every visit, <laughs> and uh, you know what? And you know what? More than anybody that I have on the show, I think that you and I like to push back at each other at times as well. So uh, <laughs> we've had our fair share of conversations. That's, we both, you know, we both got opinions to a certain point. That's what Not makes my these fault. segments you're, you're great. You're often wrong. It's what makes you a great person to debate with. You know what I mean? And you've stumped me a few different times. Fans always let me know that. So that's great. But, hey, listen, this yeah, one hey, is what it's what? all about. It Push back the, uh, the, uh, the word of the, uh, the ruffled feathers. We've had malaise. It's 2023, the year of pushback. Uh, well, here at least on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one, man. Thanks again for doing this. Appreciate it, guys. Shout out to the viewers. Take care.
All right, there's uh, our pal Jeff Hamilton. And, uh, man, we uh, still have a little bit more to do here, and we uh, did go way long. But to be honest, that's probably going to happen a few times over the course of this summer, um, certainly in the next couple months as uh, we uh, talk about this offseason. Of course, have a lot more exciting things to talk to. Bombers season coming up, fish starting as well, sea bears, and uh, playoffs involving the Winnipeg Ice and the Manitoba Moose. Um, hey, a big shout-out to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Generic lager just launched. Uh, have you tried it yet? You definitely should. Had a couple at the Osborne Tap House on Friday night. Nice to see Generic on tap at some of the local bars. Just a great beer. Impressively standard in the best way. Light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with a light beer. It's available in eight packs or by the can through the tap room or through vendors. You can also pick it up at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And as I said, it's showing up in a few local watering holes as well on tap, the new little brown jug, generic lager. Um, Obviously, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about golf, but uh, I got to give a big shout out. To my guy, Tony Fina, who uh, outdueled John Rahm, winning the Mexico Open. Is that four wins in, I think, 18 months for the big guy? Um, but the big news locally was Aaron Cockrell, once again contending on the DP World Tour, birdied the first three holes in the final round to tie for the lead, stumbled from there, um, you know, had a couple double bogeys and uh, finished back of the leader group. But, um, you know, after his second place in Japan the previous week, uh, the baby swag of Aaron Cockrell is uh, helping out right now. And, uh, man, he's having a great season, even though the rest of that final round didn't go his way. And, of course, the best news here in Winnipeg was it was opening day at Breezy on the weekend. Breezy Ben's one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs as well. Great long-term home for your family. Find out more at breezyben.ca. Or call our pal Corey Johnson for more information about becoming a member. And while we're getting ready for this nice weather in summer, if you're thinking about an incredible world-class fishing getaway just a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the perfect getaway for your friends and family trip or for Manitoba businesses. Uh, quick and easy, you can reward your top customers or organize a very unique team-building experience. Find out more online at akinslake.com. And uh, any university students looking to work in paradise for the summer and they're looking for a couple more guides and a couple more servers, send a resume into pit at akinslake.com. Uh, wow, Remo, we've, uh, I kind of knew with all the work that you did this morning and how much content there was coming out of the weekend that today's show would really just be scratching the surface as we fully dive into the Winnipeg Jets offseason. You know, there's a lot we didn't get to. We didn't really touch on Pierre-Luc Dubois' comments at all. I know that's something we're going to get to. We didn't go into Shovel Day Off's comments specifically. Like, I don't know if, how much we want to play those. I know a lot of people are talking about um, his response to Marat's question. Yeah. About it the won't lack. be the full 42 minutes, I'll no. tell you that. <laughs> like, I caught a couple, so. And, like, Jeff asked questions as well. You know, three playoff series wins. You know, is that what you're satisfied with? So, uh, well, I mean, we'll have a time this week going going forward to touch on all that. So great conversation with Jeff. You know, I was going to say, you know, I learned a lot about the press conference. Like the team, they all love each other. They all get along. Uh, Blake Wheeler, they remove the C, still a captain, according to uh, Morrissey and Lowry. Um, getting to the playoffs 
really hard. A lot of team, other teams in the league wish they could be talking about a first-round exit right now. Uh, we learned that, and uh, I'm trying to think what, what, if there was anything else. And you did mention both players talking about Winnipeg. Nino Niederreiter said he likes Winnipeg and would love yeah, to be back. That was he, the one guy. He was the one guy who did who did say that. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and Nito, <clears throat> it was interesting having him come up there because again, he's a key player on this club with one year left on his contract. Um, and he sort of mentioned, and, you know, as I said, we're, we're going to get to these over the next couple of days. We'll have plenty of time to, uh, um, to rehash anything we heard from particular players. Um, and we'll certainly get into a little bit more from the general manager, but I think where these conversations are going to go to now is more along the lines of what Jeff and I talked about for sort of the last 10 minutes or so. And uh, as I said, I know it's not fantasy hockey, but there's going to be some deals that need to be made and, uh, uh, or at least possibilities and options for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think now is a time where, you know, we'll spend some time talking maybe with some people in some other markets about, you know, how attractive a Mark Shifley or a Pierre-Luc Dubois, or as much as I don't want to talk about it, a Connor Hellebuck might be to other NHL teams and what that might bring in return for the Winnipeg Jets. And I guess before even those deals are made, um, it's what are the Winnipeg Jets looking to put into their uh, into their locker room, into their roster? Um, and what type of players, what's missing right now from a group that has a lot of skill, has a lot of talent? Um, what's missing um, to maybe get more of that pushback that Bones talked about after Game 5? Uh, let's uh, hit up these cool bet lines for tonight and just one game in the National Hockey League, but it is Game 7 after last night with those two incredible Game 7s, including the OT thriller between the Panthers and the Boston Bruins. The bar is set pretty high. But I'll tell you what, Remo, this should be a good one tonight between the Rangers and Devils. I I've been so off on picking all of these games. I'm just riding with the Rangers tonight. I picked them at the start of the series, and... Sooner or later, have to get something right. But uh, the Devils, a slight favorite at home, minus 116. Rangers, basically even money at minus 101. Um, and this one's gone back and forth. The road team, I think, has won four of the six games so far. Um, to me, it's a real pick -em. You got any lean tonight on uh, Rangers-Devils? Well, the road teams keep winning all these games. So maybe go with the road teams. But is it really like a home road thing with Rangers-Devils? Um, I picked the Devils in my bracket, where if you go to the WST Bracket Challenge, I'm actually in third right now. Giving myself well, you had Florida in seven. I'm sure that I, was a big, I, big boost for you. Yeah, I also took the Jets in that one, which was the was the homer was the homer pick. Thankfully, in my home bracket, I took I did take Vegas, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Devils. I think you know they're the the stronger team, although Rangers have the better goalie. So uh, this is I mean it's I would say it is as tight as the odds indicate, but I'll go. You can take Rangers. I will take the Devils. Some good hoops tonight, too. Uh, two more series uh, continue. Well, one gets started. One continues in the NBA. Sixers at Celtics. Uh, doesn't look like Joel Embiid's going to play. Boston's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Phoenix Suns, after getting absolutely boat raced by the Nuggets in game number one, look to get back in the win column. They're four-point underdogs and plus 148 on the money line for tonight. Um Right back at it tomorrow for the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Ice, the games three and four in Saskatoon going to be uh, three uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then a game coming back here next week. And, of course, uh, Manitoba Moose off to Milwaukee uh, to play game three after that big OT win last night. Cole Mayer tying it up in the final minute. 
and Jansen Harkins with the winner. If you missed it, check out my Twitter. The uh, the Daniel Fink's call was uh, was phenomenal. In fact, Remo, let's get some good vibes. Can we play that of finishing up the program? Sure. Well, I got a couple other before we go. A couple other notes. I have seen people in chat criticizing the Jets players for not wearing team gear. It's the last day. It's locker clean out. Um, no player I've seen in any team with their clean out interviews wears team gear. So I don't think. Yeah. That... Put it this way. I won't complain about it on the weekend. Yeah. Um. But everyone knew it was so bloody obvious up until this season. I mean, frankly, it was embarrassing. I mean, your captain never wore Jets gear. Shifley was always in his Nike stuff, and mm-hmm. and that seemed to change. I'm sure there was a couple conversations about that. It wasn't, wasn't something that I talked about a lot on the program. We did make mention of a couple times just how strange it was, especially for a captain of an NHL team to always be wearing a personal brand. And uh, Blake, to his credit this year, was a Winnipeg Jet when he was speaking with the uh, with the uh, with the media. So um, pretty much uh, all of those. Things. But yeah, for end of uh, for garbage bag day, it's not the same as uh, as a game day or other team uh, yeah. team events. So uh, that's much to do about nothing. Yeah, and um, we did see. I don't know. Should I mention this here? Huss, I texted it to you. Uh, you know, Mark Mathot had that tweet about the Fairmont was the beginning of the season set everyone off. Bruce Cassidy weighed in, and I feel bad for the Fairmont, but uh, Bruce Cassidy was asked, uh, Jesse Granger tweeting this, was asked what the worst thing he's dealt with on the road in the playoffs. He said the Fairmont in Winnipeg didn't have hot water last week. That was a beautiful hotel, great service, but they were out of hot water, and Cassidy is the coach of Vegas now. There's some in chat who thought he was still with Boston. but uh, Gary so, told me that, and, yeah. I, and I will admit... I laughed my ass off, um, <laughs> but you know, credit to them for not making a big deal about it. Um, and, and maybe, maybe Granger knew that and purposely asked. I don't know. It's been Fairmont. I would have never thought thought the Fairmont would be taking bullets from uh, people from around the National Hockey League. But I guess if the hot water doesn't work and your entire team is staying there, there will be. Though that's a legitimate complaint. Not yes. like some of the BS we've heard from some other people elsewhere in the league about what this city doesn't have, like an airport or Wi-Fi. But, I mean, uh, I was going to say, anyone yeah, like that's that, staying at a hotel, if the hot water doesn't work, you're probably going to be a little choked about that's it. An, yeah, I mean, obviously they have hot water. I guess the day they were there, it didn't work. And that would be annoying not to be able to get a shower. Maybe they turned off because they wanted to tick off Vegas uh, heading into the game. Didn't work. Unfortunately, didn't work. They did win both games. Um, and I guess, oh, there was the other Jets news during the show. Has, um, they did announce the signing of uh, former what, second round pick Nikita Chibrikov to an entry level contract. That was during the show, three year ELC. Uh, where was it? They tweeted it out. So we'll Nicely see. Nicely done. And, and Chibrikov, that was the one thing that um, uh, we kind of did get out of the um, uh, out of Kevin Chevalier's. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, availability on Sunday and Dave uh, Manouk uh, saw Chibrikov in the press box at the game on Friday for the Manitoba Moose uh, and then it was pretty clear that that was in all likelihood happening but uh, he was the second pick 50th overall in the 2021 NHL draft um, he had better numbers uh, at the uh, at the junior or kind of two league levels didn't do a ton this year with Moscow Spartak as a young player, but you know sometimes it's tough to really compare numbers 
from the KHL, certainly to North American pro hockey. So uh, as Chevy did say on the weekend, he is signed. Or there, I mean, I think he didn't say that they were signing, but it was pretty clear why he was here and what he was doing. And uh, I'm not sure whether he'll be uh, hanging around with the Moose on the road just to kind of get a taste of uh, what's happening uh, with the playoffs. I don't believe he'd be eligible to play. Um, because obviously he's just signed right now and there's a clear day roster in the American Hockey League. But maybe bringing him in, getting to know some of the players and the coaches that he might play with and get a little bit of a taste uh, firsthand of what Calder Cup playoff action looks like before he uh, comes to camp next year. But uh, there you go. A little bit of good news for the Jets at the end of the day after a pretty rough weekend on a number of levels. Yeah, the Moose tweeting out that... um that uh, he joins them on a professional tryout, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what oh, that means. We'll, have to... well, I mean, I, listen. I, I, at this point, I am not sure whether um, you know they would kind of tweak that lineup or bring someone yeah. in that's never played before. But as I said, you know, joining joining the club, traveling with the team, I'm sure, and uh, meeting some of the other guys in the organization, and uh, getting a start to his time here in Winnipeg with the Jets and the Manitoba Moose organization. Well, as I said, speaking of the Moose, I mean, it was a hell of a comeback. This this Milwaukee team is so stacked. Uh, I was at the game on Friday, and I was looking up. That guy played on Nashville. That guy was on Nashville. That guy was on Nashville. It was like half the team we had just seen playing in the NHL against the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm looking pretty good down the stretch. But it was Cole Meyer who was the hero that tied the game late in the third period, and then it was Jansen Harkins who... Uh, you know, has really stepped up and played at a very high level this year, despite the disappointing nature of his season being sent down to the American Hockey League. But Daniel Fink had uh, even waiting for this one for a while, an OT winner in the playoffs. And uh, this is how it sounded yesterday on MooseHockey.com and on 680 CJOB. Chisholm, Chisholm, fire, save, rebound, thanks! from Jansen Harkins all game he's kind of been in and around it now the officials are still all right there you go what a call by the Fink and uh, we'll have to get uh, him on in the next couple days before the Moose uh, get at it in game number three against the Milwaukee Admirals again tonight game seven Rangers and Devils tomorrow two new series get going winner of this will play Carolina on Wednesday as will the Oilers and Vegas get going um, so tomorrow, I guess, we'll have Dallas and the Seattle Kraken. And, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Uh, we'll hit all that on the lock shop tomorrow as well as on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, again, the ice up 2 nothing, heading to Saskatoon, trying to finish the job against the Blades and move on to the Western Hockey League Championship Series, potentially against Jet Prospect Brad Lambert and the Seattle Thunderbirds. Listen, Folks, we're just getting started on this Jets offseason. We'll have much more coming out of the weekend tomorrow. Mike McIntyre is going to join us. We'll also have the latest on uh, both the Moose and the Ice. Two new series in the National Hockey League. You know where to be. Join us at 1 o'clock Central right here live on YouTube. Thanks to everyone that joined us. Tell a friend about WST and make sure to hit that thumbs up and that red subscribe button before you leave. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. 
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.